theory podcast i'm nick and i'm here with my friend zach hello everybody so today uh we are going to be talking all about modern horizon spoilers this past week has been the first week of spoilers next week is going to be the second and last week so we've got about half the set worth of cards to talk about so many cards yeah uh and there's there's a lot to talk about this is only one week but we've got our, our document where we keep all the set reviews are um it's 40 pages long yeah this, for modern horizons oh my god it was one week that felt like seven weeks it was yeah. so many spoilers and and honestly like the uh th- there's also been some really powerful commanders and we could honestly spend an entire episode just oh, yeah. talking about these commanders yeah just deck techs yeah it's crazy um so maybe we'll we'll do that in more detail later we're gonna try to keep it high level if possible although yeah. Uh, we probably are going to spend a lot of time talking about Morophon in particular. <laughs> but yeah. uh, before we dive into the set and the spoilers, um, I just want to quickly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Plus, you can get your review read out on the show. Here is a review from A Terrible, Terrible Bear. These guys have the best Commander podcast on the web. They know the format inside and out and always talk about interesting topics. I'd easily recommend this podcast to anyone with an interest in MTG. Well, thank you very much, A Terrible, Terrible Bear. We don't think you're terrible at all. Yeah, and uh, also topical. Mm -hmm. Topical name today. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, before we, we jump into the spoilers, let's just talk about the set overall. Uh, what have we learned about it in the past week? What's got you excited? Yeah. What are you looking forward to in the last week of spoilers? Yeah. So the big, one of the, well, there's so many big things, I mm-hmm. guess. Well, one, changelings are back and mm-hmm. that's actually a good thing for a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. even when they're really boring changelings, <laughs> um, they uh, looked like they were specifically talking about like filling holes or requests that people have had over mm-hmm. time, and uh, that has uh, created some pretty good <laughs> cards yeah. this time around. Um, there's a lot of cards that were spoiled, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like, I wonder what else they're going to print like that." But it was just one. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, yeah, because they were very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, what do you want to mention anything in particular? Sure. Uh well, well, this is a question actually. How mm. do you feel about the new look for changelings? Oh, yeah, the peanut butter and jelly changelings. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to the alien baby changelings. Um I'm fine with it. I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. I uh hmm. I haven't thought about that. I thought it was funny. I thought like the jelly scorpion mm-hmm. uh, looked kind of funny and uh the jelly cat mm-hmm. it's like a, it's an interesting take on it it's probably not as grotesque <laughs> as some of the other ones were but um i know some people didn't like it i, I, I don't know if you're in that camp or not i'd say it's a, a huge improvement because i am sick of looking at all those old changelings yeah um they are pretty hideous these new ones like i don't know if just like purple 
as the indicator for this is a changeling is like the greatest visual cue. Yeah. But it's better than it was before. I'll yeah, at least the the art doesn't have to be like this heinous chameleon baby yeah with like two arms or something Mm -hmm. on one side of its body yeah gross um uh here's another interesting thing so based on the number crunch so far it the the number crunch strongly suggests that we're going to get the onslaught cycling commons oh okay yeah 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 uh i think that's really cool as someone who doesn't play modern the I could be convinced to play modern if there was like a life from the loam deck with that was all focused around cycling lands. Oh yeah. So it's very cool. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we can move on into these commanders if you're ready for it. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with a splashy one. Yeah, Coming uh, out the gate strong. Yeah. Urza Lord high artificer Two blue, blue for a one, four legendary human artificer. When Urza enters the battlefield, create a zero 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 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. He also has tap an untapped artifact you control, add blue, and five, shuffle your library, then exile the top card. Until end of turn, you may play that card without paying its mana cost. Uh, what's your your impression of this card? Uh, this is, I mean, very, very powerful. Um, I think that, uh, the scope on this card is like so wide, like you're going to get a new player who opens this guy up and just puts their favorite artifacts in it and Mm -hmm. it will be pretty good and they'll get like a four, four when he comes down or whatever. Yeah. And then you'll get someone who just combos (laughs) (laughs) really really quickly on like turn four or five or something like that Mm -hmm. so probably even sooner like with all the if you're just running every single mana rock that makes more yeah it costs (laughs) so it seems very very powerful um and yeah, I know you've actually built a list for this guy, so yeah, can we get into that? My my list uh, leans more towards the latter strategy yeah, that you yeah. described. <laughs> um, so it it actually borrows a lot of cards from Joyra Weatherlight Captain. Makes sense. So all those random zero mana artifacts, they all just become mock sapphires with <laughs> Urza around. And then uh, what you try to do is you run like a lot of so basically you're you have a ton of mana. Yeah. You have ton ton of mana. Uh, and then you try to rely on blue's efficient card draw, a lot of uh, wheel effects, a lot of like yeah. time twister effects to refill your hand, draw a bunch more moxes to cast, and then cast some more card draw after that. Um, there's also a fair number of artifact tutors because really the goal is to get Paradox Engine. And then, yeah, and then go off. Yeah, the fact that like he himself gives you a mechanism for... Uh, using all that paradox engine mana and getting more cast triggers yeah. is is huge. Yeah, yeah. cuz you just go off as soon as you can make more than 5 mana. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um I'm also running some like time warp effects kind of as filler and then of course there's things like winter orb, static orb, um storage matrix, I believe mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah, put all them them extra mana floating in there. Exactly. Um so all of those cards uh they don't 
allow you to untap real good, but <laughs> they also don't work when they're tapped. So you can just, if you're not really able to fully combo off, you can sort of just stop with a winter orb, let everyone not do anything on their turn, and then tap it before your next turn so you get a full untap and you can try to combo off again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so one thing about this guy too, like, is th- th- that line of play, the like... That's why people are already hating on Urza. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you can make Urza that is just simply powerful as opposed to like troll your friend group powerful too. Mm-hmm. If your friend group is okay with you playing Urza. Like, I have a feeling that most people are going to be soured on him before even letting him into their play groups. Yeah. Just from like the discourse on the internet. But I, I think this deck is pretty cool and uh, you should give it a shot if you like artifact like blue artifact decks are so much fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh yeah that's give it a shot everybody uh try to convince your play group um don't don't stack them too hard yep (laughs) so that you can stack them later once they've accepted urza uh all right the next commander that we're going to talk about is uh, a lot less broken yeah a lot more casual um Mm -hmm. do you want to read her out yeah, so this is Ayula, Queen Among Bears. Uh, she is a 2-2 two, two for one and a green. Uh, she is a legendary bear. Whoa. Uh, whenever another bear enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Put two plus one plus one counters on target bear. Or target bear you control fights target creature you don't control. Um, so just a quick note, both of those don't have to be the bear that entered. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have an army of four fours. You can just have like one 12-12 bear. That deals that, commander damage. That deals commander damage and or fights when after you get a certain critical mass of bears so you can deal commander damage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a solid commander if you can get the right engines. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a plethora of cards in mono green that draw a card when a creature enters. So there's Beast Whisperer, Vanquisher's Banner, which you can play in any deck, but is especially good here. Guardian Project, Evolutionary Leap helps you turn bears into actual creatures. Yeah, like um, if you were to do the that strategy you mentioned of just putting all the counters on one bear, mm-hmm. then like your individual bears become a lot less valuable yeah. and feeding them to Evo Loop. Evo Leap to... Yeah, to keep, on, keep the chain rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't actually want to play that many bears Mm -hmm. (laughs) like two twos for two you don't you want to try and actually like keep away from playing uh that many just vanilla creatures that trigger your commander as like funny and memey as that is i definitely like have been talking about bear force one for years for since like i don't even know how long um because there was a bear force one deck uh, like around odyssey block with Mm -hmm. bearscape and stuff like that um it's yeah, an ancient meme that you've probably heard about that people have been spilling across the internet. <laughs> um but this is just kind of an okay power level. Like this is probably yeah. going to be fine at like your kitchen table. Um yeah, I'm I'm running a list uh and I did a little bit of gold fishing this morning and I'm running like basically all the bears you can. Mhm. Um, and even then there's still an issue of sometimes you just play out your hand and then you're in top deck mode. (laughs) Like if you don't draw one of these engines we mentioned earlier or something like a shamanic revelation Mm -hmm. or a collective unconscious, um, cards that draw cards equal the number of creatures you control. 
then you are just in top deck mode and then you're really at the mercy of your opponent's removal. Yeah, and uh, a 2-2 two, two for 2 does not stick around too long in Commander very often. Yeah. So it can be can be tough if you don't get the get the goods mm-hmm. get them going fast so i i'm happy to see this card though it's it's funny that like they actually printed a legendary bear like a literal two two for two bear that is legendary <laughs> i know ethan fleischer said it was like his self-indulgent uh yeah. <laughs> little treat for himself yeah and this we'll continue to see ethan's self-indulgence throughout these previews mm-hmm. <laughs> like the next commander i actually oh, think. yeah sure um this is sisse weatherlight captain two and a white for a two two legendary human soldier she gets plus one plus one for each color among other legendary permanents you control and then she has pay white blue black red green so five mana one of each color search your library for a legendary permanent card with converted mana cost less than sisse's power put that card onto the battlefield then shuffle your library so, uh, I think Mark Rosewater said that this was exp- this was designed so that you could play all the crew members of the Weatherlight in one deck, yeah. <laughs> and then get them shoot them out every game. Uh, and that build seems super flavorful, and I know that a lot of people were really excited for that build of Sisse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's the... It's definitely not the most powerful thing no, you can I'm, do with her. I'm expecting to see that, uh, and I'm also expecting to see Fibbletop a lot in that deck because <laughs> he's so lost. Oh, yeah. That's something... You that get I'm, your two cards. You get your two cards. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely uh, agree that that's not the most powerful build. Yeah. So I think that... Uh, you all can probably figure out how to do that build yourself. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to try a different build of Sisse that's a bit more combo-oriented, uh, I've got something for you. <laughs> and I, and I want to preface this by saying that um, f- building five-color combo lists with a tutor commander is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure that this is the right direction to go, but I am certain that it, it's uh, more powerful than just the weatherlight dot deck. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, there are a couple very powerful legendary permanents in Magic. In fact, printed in the last couple years. Yeah. So, you can get Paradox Engine with Sisse, and you can also get Bolus's Citadel with Sisse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the th- the those two, like everyone knows they're good, but I think the real linchpin of this deck is um, Selvala, Heart of the Wilds. So, yeah. So if you're not familiar with Silvala, she is one green green for a legendary elf scout. She's a 2-3 and has two abilities. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, its controller may draw a card if its power is greater than each other creature's power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And green tap add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So... uh that's probably the perfect way to get the right mana for Sisse because once she's big enough that you can start tutoring out the the really impactful cards, yeah. uh, Selvala will be making like five, six mana in any combination of colors, which is perfect. So uh, I think that like the play with Sisse is probably... Well, actually, I should probably explain what, what most of the deck is going to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So those are like your three main combo pieces. And then the rest of the deck is a lot of legendary permanents that sort of helped you sculpt your hand or draw cards or ramp you or fix your mana, whatever. So Fibblethip, you're running him. Heck yeah. Oath of Nyssa, Oath of Jace, um, some of the legendary enchantments, legendary flip enchantments from Ixalan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Search for Iskanta, which uh, lets you surveil at your upkeep, and then once it flips, you can um, dig for non-creatures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You might have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, Growing Rites of Itlamok, which is um, when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top four cards of your library, grab a creature, and then put the rest on the bottom, and then when it flips, it's a Gaia's Cradle. So these cards just kind of help you like sculpt your hand, make sure that you get the right colors of mana to activate Sisse for the first time, and like make sure you hit your land drops, that kind of stuff. Um, and then they and then they also just because they all sit on the battlefield and happen to be legendary, they up your count for Sisse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, initially, when I saw Sisse, I was thinking like, is it correct to maybe? run a bunch of um, pump spells and or equipment and try to make it work that way. Yeah. And I think that the answer is no, because all these um, like cantrippy, rampy type of legendary permanents, they are a lot more useful once you're in combo mode, whereas the, the pump doesn't really do much for you. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> so, so like... Um, the first stage of the game is kind of just playing Oath of Nyssa, Fibblethip, whatever, all this stuff. Um, and then you cast Sisse. She has enough power at that point to go tutor out Silvala. Um, once you have Silvala, then you activate Sisse, go get your Paradox Engine, and then you just cast any spell, and Silvala will make the mana necessary to go tutor out with Sisse once per spell. Mm-hmm. Also, like, there's not a whole lot of black legendary permanence in this deck. Yeah. So once you get the Paradox Engine, you can easily go get Citadel. And then from Citadel, then you can, like, get your cast triggers in order to keep untapping Silvala, keep using Sisse. And then it's kind of at the point where if Citadel is a card that you can cast, like a not a land, then you cast it. If it's a land, then you can activate Sisse, shuffle your library, and then uh, get another shot to cast something with Citadel. But the the thing that really makes these like Fibblethip Othanissa cards great is that um, they are an additional way to get cards and to shave off the the top of your library if you don't like what you see with yeah. with the Citadel. So they can sort of help keep the combo going. Because if you've got like Fibblethip, Oath of Nyssa, Oath of Jace on top of your library interspersed with lands, they'll help you make it so that you're more likely to keep the combo going. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't super figured out how the deck wins at this point. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, I, I think that once you're just casting most of your library and you've got a bunch of creatures on the battlefield and you are have some protection, then you can probably just win. Yeah, that th- I think there's probably something that like just meets these conditions that can let you win. Like I, I would have to look into like what that would be, but it just seems like if it, you've gotten to this point and you have this much mana and this much card draw and all this stuff, like something, you can do something, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> make it happen. 
Um, so I'm not, I think there's some other cute things about the list, uh, that I'm not going to go into in, in much detail because that's, like I said, this could be a whole deck tech. Um, but the, the main thing you, you ought to know is that there are some like vulnerable windows where your like spot removal can just really mess up your day. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's definitely not like an unbeatable combo. It's not easy to find room for a lot of, um, protection counter spells yeah. that kind of stuff yeah but it's powerful yeah just making wooberg like two toot or something is a t- it's a big hoop to jump through. yeah it's really hard yeah so this will be a I, i'm imagining that we will end up seeing more of the former the weatherlight crew with like Erebos jumping along mm-hmm. and like fubblethup hanging out then like fubblethup powering this like machine that Sissé is running that Sissé is piloting yeah but uh they both seem fun mm-hmm. okay so uh this next guy has been bringing uh he was spoiled and brought a lot of conversation with mm-hmm. him so this is morophon the boundless a six six shapeshifter uh for seven generic mana uh, it he or they have changeling and when they enter the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Uh, spells of the chosen type you cast cost Wooberg, white, blue, black, red, green, less to cast. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you pay. That's not me saying that. That's on the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, other creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. Uh, so there are a lot of pieces to that. And I do just want to reiter- reiterate that... Uh, only spells of the chosen type get the cost reduction. Yes. So that was there's a lot of people on Twitter and Tumblr and the internet in general that were like, "Oh my God, you just run you every just... creature that draws a card." Yeah. The battlefield. And it's like no, like Baleful Strix is a bird. Yeah. And this Quaddle is a snake. Yeah. So that does not work. But there are some things that work. This is going to be a, a little bit of a, a segment here. But uh, do you want to get into this guy, Nick? Oh, I, I also want to do one other correction. Like, mm-hmm. just want to reiterate that part about this effect reduces only the amount of color mana you pay. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I have also seen people saying, like, oh, this is great for casting all my Eldrazi's. And it's like, no. Yeah, it's not actually. Yeah. Like, maybe it, it'll reduce your devoid Eldrazi's by, like, one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to do, it's not going to make Kozilek cost five less. Yeah, your 1-1 one, one death touch is free now. Yeah. Congrats, everybody. <laughs> But, yeah, that being said, uh, this guy is weird as hell, mm-hmm. and uh, th- there's a build that, uh, honestly, like, Nick texted me about, <laughs> and I was like, holy cow, so I think, do you want to kind of get into the history and yeah. build up for this guy? Okay, so I don't love this design. Yes, both of us don't love this design. <laughs> um, uh, and And... Morrow was was kind enough to let us know what the intent of this design was, and I'm going to go ahead and say that they failed yep. to achieve what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so Morrow stated in his article that this was an attempt to make a universal tribal commander, and here is his words. I set out to make a card that could serve as a commander for any one creature type. My goal was simple. It had to be generally useful for any creature type, and it had to be a five-color color identity so that any combination of colors could use it as a commander. Uh, so I would, like I said, I wouldn't say it was successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that part of it is 
was good. Here's here's what I liked about him. Uh, Wizards recognized that it needed to have a color identity that could stretch between anywhere on the spectrum between five colors and zero colors. Yeah, um, that was good. And I they their solution was using Morophon's cost reduction ability to sort of sneak the Wooberg onto the card. Uh, and I don't know if their specific solution was the best one, but we'll we'll get uh, more into that later. So the buff that Morophon provides doesn't scale very well to Commander. Like, plus one, plus one to your team, that might be useful in Limited, but we're in, like, a 40-foot life format with multiple opponents. Oh, yeah. And if your tribe doesn't have access to token generation, which, like, most of the obscure tribes that are supposed to be helped by Morphon do not, uh, that plus one, plus one bonus is only going to be spread across a a couple of bodies. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. not, like, there's no equivalent to like increasing devotion for crabs or whatever yeah. your favorite creature type is. Yeah. So that plus one plus one isn't going to be like spread across a ton of tokens. Yeah. In the words of Jaws, man, we're going to need a bigger buff. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the sequencing of play doesn't really make sense because he costs seven, but the, the biggest benefit of running him is you get this cost reduction ability which kind of begs the question, like, what are you doing on the first turns of the game? Yes, if you're waiting till turn seven. To cast your guys. Yeah, and do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, most of the tribes you'd want to play them with, like, I actually went through all of the tribes that have that have more than 25 members, so, like, enough that you could actually build a deck around them, and that don't currently have a tribal commander. Yeah. And the most of them, I mean, there's some exceptions. There's like Eldrazi and Giants, whatever. But most of them have an average CMC that's like way lower than seven, like yeah. you know, three, four mana, whatever. Um, so you'd really have to make the choice. To, so if you have a starting hand with like you know four assassins in it, you'd have to make the choice to not cast them on turns one through six to cast your commander on seven. So you could get a little discount on turn, turn eight seven and eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that it doesn't really make sense. It's sort of like having it's sort of like how Karthus gave all your dragons haste and it's like he, he cost seven mana. What dragons are left? Yeah, what am I gonna? They're like, already what's... swinging. Yeah, um, the also like so the two bonuses that Morphon grants are useful, and for the decklist we're going to be talking about in a bit. Um, they are really instrumental in making that deck work. Both halves of the card are um, crucial to, to getting that deck rolling. Mm-hmm. But for most tribal decks, the thing keeping them from being successful, the thing from keeping crab tribal from working, isn't that their members need one more power and toughness yeah. <laughs> or that they need one less blue mana in their cost. Um it's like a bigger problem that affects pretty much all non-token, non-Voltron aggro decks. Um, so like unless your tribe is really good at producing resources, tribal decks tend to, and, and like an example would be elves are yeah. really good at making mana. Mm-hmm. But unless your deck is really good in at producing resources, your tribe is probably going to be just an aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to put some guys on the field 
and they're going to attack and maybe they get buffs because there are more guys on the field mm-hmm. and that's that's most tribes <laughs> yeah um but like i mentioned earlier most of the tribes that morophon is intended to help don't have much in the way of token production so if you want to develop like an aggressive board state you're committing multiple real cards to the board you can't just be like oh conqueror's pledge i've got an instant army and if you wrath that's fine we traded one for one yeah it's like i'm going to cast this assassin and this assassin and this assassin and this assassin and then you get four for one by wrath of god so that's tough um yeah it's just a problem like they're they're not going to easily solve that soon but but i think they had an opportunity here they did that they missed yeah <laughs> so, so what i think morphon needed to work as a universal commander is an ability that would increase the impact of each member of your tribe that you drew so yes <laughs> so if you were to like produce changeling tokens in a similar way to like Krenko, who taps to double your goblins, or Najila, who doubles your warrior, your attacking warriors, or Marinar, who doubles your rats, or Brood Sliver, who makes a bunch of slivers on when the sliver hits somebody. Um, some sort of ability like that would allow any tribe to like easily build up a big board presence, especially over the course of a couple turns mm-hmm. without having to cast their entire hand with yeah. the guys. Yeah. I also think that like, even like the new God eternal or Ketra type, like cast a creature, get another creature mm-hmm. would have like, it wouldn't have yeah. been the best, but it would have subsidized it in a way where the deck would be playable mm-hmm. at, at all. Like, like it doesn't need to be Krenko levels of like exponential growth to but it playable. Yeah, but even just like a one to one matching yeah, would be great. Would be great. That'd be enough to actually play these tribes people want to play. Like pirates is like why didn't they put token pirate? I'm gonna stop talking about that. It'll yeah. make me sad. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And um and also I think that they could there was probably a more clever way to get Wooberg on the card. Mm-hmm. Just because like the cost reduction kind of pushes things towards combo, which Again, we'll talk about in just a second. Oh, yeah. Um, But I think, like, maybe an activation, especially if they make use of, like, two-brid mana, um, you could fit all the color symbols and still have it be playable, even in a monocolor deck, and then just have it do some sort of powerful aggro thing. Yeah. Wait, I have a question for you. Do you think we'll ever see, like, five-brid? Like, it has to be colored in the same way we've seen, like, colorless, like the diamond? Oh man, I don't think there's a way to like uh I think it would probably be a new symbol. Yeah. But like that would be the idea is that like this has to be a color of mana. Mm-hmm. I don't know like what space that would have, but that would solve like this problem at least. Maybe if they were it was some sort of faction set and there was one faction Ooh. that used C and the other faction that used we'll call that like M. M yeah, for just colors of mana. Yeah. Maybe yeah. That that would be my guess, but it's uh, it's something I don't know if the they're ever gonna yeah. yeah. Well, I guess if you were in a set and there were just a ton of colorless mana sources, yeah, then the M might mean something because currently that's just like so close to generic mana. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. In, in most sets, it's just generic mana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yes. Yeah, so you, uh, I 
I kind of knocked you out of the flow there. Um, no, no, it's fine. Are you? Do you? Are you good to go? You good uh, to keep moving? Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to move on to the actual deck list. So yeah. we're done with the critique. That those are our thoughts on Morphon. It's a shame that mm-hmm. they couldn't have done a better job, especially mm-hmm. because I think that like um, that version of Morophon that kind of does that just like matching and like solves that kind of problem as opposed to cost reduction and boring buff. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is probably less broken than the actual current build. Yeah. Which, uh, welcome to the jungle, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so Morophon does build into a unique deck. If you've got 50 or more, 50 or so creatures of the same type, and then you use Morphon to make it so that all of those creatures cost zero, then you just need a draw engine like Guardian Project, Beast Whisperer, Vanquisher's Banner, Kindred Discovery, Glimpse of Nature, something like that. Like the, the things we were discussing with the um, Ayula list. Mm-hmm. But if you have something like that, you can just kind of draw through your deck and combo out. So if you uh, look up Morphon and Scryfall, they have helpfully provided a list of all creatures that have their costs reduced to zero by Morophon. And if you just kind of search within that list, uh, you can find out which tribes have the most Morophon-compliant members. So uh, can you l- read off these top tribes oh, for us? yeah. So uh, we got humans coming in at number one with 324 creatures that are free with Morophon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wizards at 95 in number two. Number three, soldiers, 91, goblins, 83, elves at 79, warriors at 78, clerics at 69, uh, nice, uh, shamans at 58, and that's kind of, it kind of drops pretty heavily. Yeah, the next one after that is like 40-ish members. Yeah, and at that point, like, you could do stuff, but we don't need to for purposes of this yeah this uh, deck right here uh, and then also add two to all of those numbers for the two known morophon compliant changelings oh yeah there are there are two changelings that are free with morophon mm-hmm. um so humans are clearly in a different class yeah <laughs> compared to everyone else yeah <laughs> uh, they've got more than three times as many options as the next best type uh and what that means is you can be really picky and you can start selecting for particular traits so in the list i'm running um it's got 17 wizard 17 humans that are wizards uh 16 humans that are legendary 26 blue humans and all of them the all 47 of the humans i'm running have two or more power (laughs) and that's yeah which is relevant in the best way possible (laughs) yes uh so Basically, um, we mentioned like six draw engines earlier, but if you are selecting for these particular characteristics, you get access to a lot more. So all these all these humans have two or more power, but really because Morophon gives them a buff of plus one plus one, all these humans have three or more power, Ooh. which means that they trigger Elemental Bond, which is three cost enchantment whenever a creature with power three or greater enters a battlefield under your control, draw a card. It also triggers Garak's Pack Leader, which is the same ability, but on a 4-4 beast for 5. So you can use those to keep the combo going. There is also um, Dire Undercurrents, which is a 5-cost enchantment, 3 hybrid blue-blue 
hybrid blue black hybrid blue black and it says whenever a black creature enters the battlefield under your control target player discards a card whenever a blue creature enters the battlefield under your control draw a card nice so if you have 26 blue humans then that card about half the time is going to let you draw a card help you keep your combo going there's a zombie lady of scrolls lets you draw cards off of your wizards Mm -hmm. reiki the or reiki the history of kamigawa uh, he lets you draw cards when you cast legendary humans. So all of those cards, like having access to all of those cards make it way less likely to fizzle compared to some of the other types. Like with the wizards, soldiers, goblins, there's just, well, with soldiers and goblins, there's so few that are blue. Yeah. Uh, there's so few that are legendary. Yeah. Um, and, not all of them are going to have two or more power. So it's just much, much harder to combo off in those creature types compared to humans. So uh, basically to kind of recap for if you're listening at home, you you have a deck where you have, it's a human tribal list, but you take advantage of all of these other little factors of these humans that they have in common to keep it going mm-hmm. you cast a human you draw a card you cast a human you draw a card you cast a human you tap that human you draw a card you cast a human you tap that one you draw two cards like you just keep it going with all of these things um which makes it incredibly like and inc- your likelihood of fizzling dwindles the more of these things you have in play mm-hmm. uh and because there are so many more humans than the other creature types you have access to all of these draw engines like way more than normal uh, and you have a deeper card pool. Uh, so, basically, you cast your whole deck. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's basically what you end up doing. Um, and that's that's kind of it. Like, you probably can give them haste. I'm assuming if you drew your whole deck, there's uh, something... I, I didn't worry too much about the, the yeah. win condition part. I should probably just throw in one card that <laughs> makes that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, i think there's a shared animosity there you go yeah yeah there you go um but it it we i mean we could talk about this for a long time because it's it's so weird and it's i don't think at all what people were thinking when they saw the card because i've seen most lists that i've seen are running joda and fist of sons oh yeah um, which does work. That mm-hmm. does work within the rules. Um, so basically whatever creature type that you pick with uh, Morphon is free if you have a Joda or a Fist of Suns out. But um, that's... that's It seems just like harder to make that work because in this deck, there's just so much redundancy between the important parts. Yeah, And honestly, it seems like way better to just build your deck so that all your creatures are naturally free as opposed to I am going to go out of my way to make sure that Morophon definitely makes this specific card free. It's like, why not just play the ones that are yeah, cause the, already cost zero yeah, instead of working so hard? Build your own omniscience like you could just omniscience or yeah. you like it, it just seems like another you're already running a seven mana commander. So, like, giving yourself this other hoop to jump through seems like like a lot. And I understand that we're going to see a lot of uh, Morphon 
X tribe mm-hmm. lists, and they're probably going to run those two cards because they make whatever tribe free, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But I, I just don't think you need to do that. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I think that it, that's just giving you that other hoop before you start playing can be uh, taxing. It can be limiting. <laughs> yeah, like the, the only way, the only reason this deck works is because the turn you cast Morophon, you win. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whereas, like if you're doing something more fair and it's like I'm gonna cast all my squirrels or yeah. whatever, it, it's like that's not nearly as busted if you're waiting until turn seven to do it yeah so uh weird weird guy uh i think weirder than they expected it to be yeah i i really wish that they put a little bit more thought into it because yeah i I think because like najila and krenko are like some of the few examples of like really effective tribal decks in commander Mm mm-hmm and i think they should have looked more at like what actually works in commander even if they like didn't have the insight of like what are the problems in commander how do we solve those problems but more just like what what works what are the best practices for making tribal effective mm-hmm. um and instead we got this thing like whoops combo humans instead of like <laughs> a thing that's like really rewarding you for playing your camerids yeah and yeah well well we'll We'll get them next time everybody we'll get them next time um so one of the things that i think is funniest about morphon too is that people have been talking about building him slivers Mm -hmm. uh when we also got a very good sliver commander oh yeah if you want to move on to that guy can i just one moment oh yeah yeah, yeah. one thing yeah last thing about morphon uh one thing that i'm like almost tempted to do with more fun this is a much more meme deck idea mm-hmm. um is once you have enough change so assuming that they print enough changelings in this set that you can have just like a critical mass of creatures that just naturally have all creature types what i kind of want to do is play more fun as my commander play every changeling i possibly can that doesn't suck so like not the champion ones yeah um and then every single, and then run like some generic effects like um, Guardian Project or Vanquisher's Banner or Coat of Arms, whatever. And then every game name a different creature type. So like <laughs> this t- this game I'm naming Coward. Yeah. This game I'm naming Sand. This game I'm naming Brushwag. <laughs> uh, and then just kind of have fun with all these obscure types, but it's the same like it's the same deck. G- yeah, that is pretty funny. So there's another uh, way to play Morophon if you are not so interested in this combo list. Yeah, and also if you're not so interested in uh, generic like Eldrazi, but yeah. Fist of Sons is here or something yeah. like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So um, we're going to return from my seg back to my segue mm-hmm. the more fun sliver is not as good as this guy's slivers. Yeah. Which is the first sliver. Um, can I read this guy off? Go for it. Yeah, so this is a 7-7 seven, seven legendary sliver for Wooburg, white, blue, black, red, green, that has Cascade. So um, 
Cascade, for those who may or may not be familiar, is when you cast this spell, you exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less than this spell. You may play it without ca- uh, paying for its mana cost, and then you put the exiled cards on the bottom in a random order. Bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, so this is a 5-mana, 7-7 seven, seven sliver with Cascade that gives your slivers Cascade. Um, specifically says sliver spells you ha- cast have Cascade. So um, that is a downpour of slivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so many slivers. <laughs> I wanna want to make one clarification. So once he's on the battlefield, then all your slivers chain into each other. Yeah. But his initial Cascade does, does not. not chain. Yeah, that is, that is a very good point of clarification. Mm-hmm. So um, because when... Let's say you have the first sliver on the battlefield and you cast uh, a five-mana sliver, let's mm-hmm. just say. Uh, then you cascade and you hit a three-mana sliver. Well, that sliver also has cascade now because of the first sliver. So then you cascade and you hit a two-mana sliver and you cascade and you hit your one-mana flying sliver. And uh, that's basically how the game is going to go <laughs> for you. Uh, it's going to be very fast and very good yeah and i I think i like running some zero mana spells in this deck just because Mm -hmm. you're pretty much guaranteed to get them at the end of the chain yeah 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 yeah. so like uh maybe even some without mana cost it might be worthwhile to run lotus bloom in this deck Mm -hmm. or maybe the the wheel of fortune Mm -hmm. yeah i think the wheel is good i even think like hypergenesis could be worth it too if you Mm -hmm. have like a bunch of just slivers sitting in your but if you put them into play with hypergenesis you (laughs) don't get the cascade (laughs) you don't get the cascade uh or the living death you could do living end or something like that there you go that's pretty good uh i guess actually not as good well if it's good later in the game i guess Mm -hmm. if you've been rest like four times yeah and you you always have the option to not cast the thing you cascade into yes oh that is important everybody Mm -hmm. um but yeah so this is like a sliver (laughs) (laughs) i mean that really other than like all the things we just said there's not like too many things to say other than just do you want to talk about like slivers in general like how sliver lists kind of play out a lot of the time or yeah yeah uh, so we have a friend who has a sliver deck, and of course I've played slivers over the years. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. have you played slivers. Yeah, I haven't played commander slivers, but I've played like legacy slivers uh, and stuff. Okay, like that. sure. Um, so in commander slivers have historically had trouble dealing with board wipes, which is you know like the same for most non-token, non-Voltron aggro yeah. strategies. Um, so I like that the last two sliver commanders they've printed have seem to have been targeted at this problem yeah uh so sliver hive lord if you don't remember him uh he gave all slivers indestructible mm-hmm. and i think that was a good attempt but my my friend has a hive lord deck and he says that what tends to happen is that most people just find a way to remove it like they'll kind of gang up on you like some person will bounce it or exile it or turn it into a tree and then somebody else will cast the board wipe that kills the rest of your slivers. Yeah. And then you're screwed. Um, but the first sliver may be more effective at solving this problem because yeah. it turns every sliver into many slivers. So if you've got a handful of slivers and then you, you know, play a five drop cascade into two or three more slivers, like that is kind of enough of a threatening board state that you don't need to commit the rest of your slivers you just sandbag them yeah until somebody wraths it's like okay now deal with these now deal with these and you can um trade a lot fewer cards to the board wipes 
which is good that's what you want yep uh and yeah that's kind of it cascade is uh very good and you should probably just run as many slivers as as possible yeah at least in the the higher mana costs in particular too yeah you don't want to uh dilute the the power of your cascade yeah so do you just want to make sure you're just chaining and chaining and going off yeah but that is for now the last of the commanders uh printed in the set that we've seen mm-hmm. um although um just want to point out briefly oh yeah 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 uh mark w- rosewater like a week or so ago said oh, that he yeah. was on his blog he said that he was interested in redoing a lot of the members of the weatherlight mm-hmm. so i don't think sisse is going to be the only one we see in this set yeah i'm crossing my fingers yeah he's actually specifically called out gerard a couple times over yeah. the years as a, a legend that he wants to redo yeah who desperately needs redo yes he sucks so much <laughs> he for sucks such so a much. pivotal character i in know the story. who so many people like but um yeah keep your fingers crossed everybody mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this is a card that was spoiled a long while ago, but we're going to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, main deck card of Planeswalker in particular. This is Sarah the Benevolent. Uh, she is a four loyalty Planeswalker for two and two white, uh, plus two creatures you control with flying, get plus one, plus one until end of turn, minus three, create a four, four white angel creature token with flying and vigilance and minus six, uh, you get an emblem with, if you control a creature, uh, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. Um, so this card. Oh, okay. So the first thing is the cute thing about this card is that all three of those uh, abilities are from cards with Sarah in the name, mm. uh, and or the emblem is worship. If you've seen that card before, it does the exact same thing. It's an enchantment, uh, and with the original card being like an homage to like worshiping Sarah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, pretty cute Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's i can't remember the plus two it's like sarah's sanctuary or something yeah it's an enchantment that does that it gives creatures with flying you control plus one plus one it's not super good but Mm -hmm. it was played a lot in like casual crowds um uh what do you think about this card do you do you like it do you not like it so i i mean i never really hold high hopes for planeswalkers when it comes to commander that's the same um, I'd say that it could probably, it might be able to find a home in Lyra Dawnbringer because it makes angel tokens and that's pretty rare. You could go minus three plus two minus three. Yeah. <laughs> maybe something like that. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of value for four. Yeah. If it survives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think it's really a commander card. No. Th- so I, there's cards that do frustrating things but this is like whenever a new card that does a frustrating thing comes out i'm always a little more upset because this is one of those emblems really easy to get mm-hmm. you just plus two maybe you probably did nothing whatever and then the next turn you minus six and you have worship forever mm-hmm. and i'm upset that that's gonna that's gonna cause a lot more casual groups to have a lot of problems and that doesn't make me happy yeah because like imagine green stompy deck uh who normally wins because they have really big creatures and trample over you what are they going to do Yeah, when you have an unkillable warship? Exactly. So, like that, if you have just like three creatures, like they're never going to be able to no, deal with those. Yeah, never ever. Or even like, and this extends to a lot of different colors, like black, red, like which would already have a problem with warship. Like mm-hmm. if you're playing in a semi-casual crowd, like 
this emblem is just going to cause a lot of frustrating games for like kind of more casual players and that doesn't make me very happy yeah but um the card is kind of <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna play it or scammer to play it the art's pretty i, I like yeah magali villanueva mm-hmm. her her art is always very pretty oh yeah oh i love the yeah all the flowy robes and angel wings she always mm-hmm. does uh the next planeswalker is surprising for uh for different reasons <laughs> do you want to do you want to read this the, these guys off sure uh, so this is ren and six it's red green so two mana two mana for a legendary planeswalker ren plus one uh three starting loyalty plus one return up to one target land card from your graveyard to your hand minus one ren and six deals one damage to any target and minus seven you get an emblem with instant and sorcery cards in your hand or sorry in your graveyard have retrace oh and retrace uh is you can discard a land from your hand in addition to paying the mana cost of an instant or sorcery with retrace to cast it from your graveyard Mm -hmm. um it's a very weird fun mechanic from shadowmore um or shadowmore block mini block Yeah, yeah um that they didn't print too many cards with, so do not feel weird if you had to look that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about this card? Yeah, I uh, I like that this is a playable two-mana Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it goes to four on turn two, like four loyalty on turn two, is cool because it's probably not going to die super good at that point. Yeah, if you get in your opening hand, you can do some stuff with it for yeah sure. you can go off with it um taking getting the most value out of it like you might as well just use life from the loam or something like that mm-hmm. um but i i don't know i i like him more than i like most planeswalkers i guess that's that's my takeaway <laughs> yeah i'm a little um skeptical about using it. it just seems like in the late game it's going to return a land and then die immediately and is like is that worth a card slot yeah um because like you know cards like crucible worlds life from the loam they can't be attacked to death yeah uh if you get the emblem that seems incredibly powerful yeah yeah the emblem is very very powerful and it seems like that's where a lot of the hype about this is coming from Mm -hmm. is like oh you get your lands which then you can emblem and blah 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 and like now there is a lot more uh proliferate engines than there used to be especially in green mm-hmm. which is nice but i just don't uh don't see that happening too often so yeah. i'm not i mean i'm not i'm actually not down on this card i'm just neutral on this card yeah i think it's like it's fine i ever I, I think i actually have a lord Windgrace deck and i don't think i'll be putting this card in there yeah, I, yeah that's fair um but we can briefly touch on the flavor elements of this card, which are oh yeah, really interesting. So the what's unique about this card is that it shows like a body encased in a giant tree folk. Um, and what little we've been told about these characters, this character so far, is that Ren is a dryad. She she is the the person encased in the tree folk. And the reason it's called Ren and Six is because she doesn't name the tree folks she uses as power armor. <laughs> um, she just this is just the sixth one she's used so far, and I don't I don't know what kind of life 
what kind of lifespan those things have got. But it might be <laughs> that the next time we see Ren, it, it'll be Ren and Seven, and maybe that'll they'll change up her powers accordingly based on the the characteristics of the tree she happens to be in. That's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not expect this character. I know so little about. Mm-hmm. I thought like for sure like a lot of people on the internet that this was going to be tree urza like yavimayad urza Mm -hmm. but uh no we were wrong we were all wrong everybody yeah it's cool that they're exploring like stranger planeswalker designs as opposed to this is just a humanoid with a different haircut yeah i think they they kind of got that note a long while ago people were like why isn't this a planeswalker and they're like oh well we only make people-ish planeswalkers and Mm -hmm. then everyone was like no (laughs) (laughs) and so it is cool that they're doing stuff like this yeah um but yeah do you want to get into the white cards sure so astral drift is two and a white for an enchantment when you cycle astral drift or cycle another card while astral drift is on the battlefield you may exile target creature if you do return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step and it has cycling for two and a white so it's very similar to Astral Slide, although it can itself cycle. Yep. And, and it doesn't trigger... The one difference is, like, Astral Slide doesn't cycle, and Astral Slide triggers when anyone cycles, but, like, your opponent isn't going to do that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Although, Street Wraith sees them playing. That's right? true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that this card, if I can jump in here, sure. is just... this wants to be in a deck with lots of cycling um and there isn't really like that's actually one of the things that i feel bad about with like almond block was there's no cycling commander Mm -hmm. there's no card that like really really cared about cycling cards and that's kind of sad so like even though that there are a lot of cycling lands and there's a lot of cards with cycling there's not really a home for any of them right now and so I just, I don't think this really goes anywhere mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, until there's a, like, you can sneak cycling cards into a deck. I think yeah. you could probably run about 10 in, like, a maybe like a two-color list or yeah. something like that. Just because of the lands and staple effects with yeah. cycling. Yeah, you can, there's, a, like, multiple naturalizes with cycling now, stuff like that. Yeah, but um, the thing is, like, unless you have a reason to go more than that, it's just not going to happen. And this card in particular, not only needs you to have a bunch of cyclers in your deck, (laughs) but it also needs you to have a bunch of ETB creatures. And there's definitely no commander that forces you to do both of those things. Yeah. I really would hope that if, because cycling is popular and uh, they like it because it's a really good smoothing mechanic for limited so I think we'll see cycling again, and I just really hope that the next time we do, we do see um, a, a commander for it, a commander that cares about cycling, or like a multicolored commander that cares when you discard cards. Yeah, that's which fine is, too. Quote quote like what cycling does, like yeah. like nudge nudge something <laughs> like that. But we'll see. Really, um, do you want to get into the next guy? Oh my god! Yeah, this guy is pretty good for multiple reasons. Yeah. Uh. So. It is Generous Gift. Heck yeah. Two and a white for an instant. Destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 green elephant creature token. I 
God, I love this card. I love this card because it's powerful. I love this card. The art is an elephant sitting on a guy. Mm-hmm. The flavor text is the best presents are impossible to re-gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, playtest name was White Elephant Gift. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so many reasons to love this card. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to get into this guy? This is great. So, um this is an instant format staple. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. That's what happened with Beast Within, and that's what's going to happen here, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and White needed it more. White needed it really badly. I think we've talked about it before. White just needed an instant speed vindicate yeah. because it's totally on color. Uh, <laughs> I think earlier we were, in, in some episode, we were saying, like, why can't they just print, like, cast out but one less mana or, yeah. or banishing light with flash, whatever. And this is you know, better than that. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what we needed. And it makes so much more sense in white's color pie than like the beast within or the chaos warp, the things that are basically breaking, breaking the color, the color pie. pie. Yeah. And I'm glad that like they definitively, like when they talked about making this set, they talked about, um, this being basically like time spiral, but modern and draftable. And, and, uh, they talked about the things they didn't want to do with time spiral. And mm-hmm. one of them was the color pie breaks and bends. So specifically with this set, they wanted to put things into colors where they were appropriate Mm -hmm. as opposed to the last time we saw Time Spiral Block and like Planar Chaos where it was like an interesting thought experiment to be like, what if green drew three cards on a sorcery? Mm -hmm. But that's like not actually good (laughs) for the game. Um, And so the fact that they put this in white in this set is kind of like this definitive like this is what white does and that's cool. And I hope they keep doing that. <laughs> I think it's, it's great. I think that the fact that they've printed this means that a, they're setting a precedent. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so like the next time they're thinking about white needs, like a catch all answer and in instead of looking to angelic purge, they're going to look to generous gift. Hopefully. Um, and so, and also because this tone of this card is kind of silly, like if they, want to put this kind of effect in a more serious set they'll probably do like a complete uh they'll probably do a functional reprint yeah so we'll get uh redundancy for commander which would be awesome yeah hopefully crossing fingers yeah (laughs) Uh, and also i'm sure the player the the player response to this card is going to be extremely positive so they're going just by printing this card they're going to be able to see people's reaction and then hopefully that'll lead to more effects like yeah. this in the future do you want to talk about the next card sure uh, giver of runes is one mana a single white for a one two cleric core cleric my bad another target and she has tap another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn so it's clearly a riff on mother of runes um the notable differences are well the the one notable difference is the fact that it can't target itself yeah uh which means that it can't protect its like it can't protect itself from removal mm-hmm. which is one of the key features of mother um, of yeah is that it just never dies yeah like we've played a game pretty recently where somebody had a mother of runes and it was like i just never i had multiple spot removal spells in hand but i never wanted to burn two spot removal spells to take out this mother rune that like he, he didn't ever tap it but yeah. just its presence was so oppressive yeah there's a concept that they talk about in limited resources all the time called threat of activation definitely 
true with Mother of Verns, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh man, I don't want to do this thing because they could activate this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, not necessarily true here. Um, they did add some stuff to it. It has two toughness now. Ooh, mm-hmm. it's a core. Ooh, Ooh, and it gives protection from Carlos. Whoa. <laughs> um, so you can like, uh, oh no, it's, yeah, they, they also, it's just you control, so you can't pop equipment off. That's yeah. kind of sad. Unfortunate. But, yeah, I don't know. This is whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to see nearly as much play as Mother Runes, but no. it's yeah. worth addressing. Yeah. Um, the next guy is pretty, mm-hmm. is our first, this is our first changeling, right? Aside from Morphon. Aside from Morphon, we talked about. Yeah. Uh, and get ready, everyone, for a doozy. Just kidding. Uh, this is Imposter of the Six Pride, <laughs> and they are a 3-1 shapeshifter for one and a white with changeling. So That's uh, it. Yep. <laughs> so th- there's a couple commanders where the tribal effect is so powerful that you basically don't care what the member of the tribe does. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. You just want to run the cheapest versions possible. So that you can glee, like get more of that trigger, you can farm that uh, combat damage trigger or uh, ETB trigger, or whatever. Yeah. So one example of that is Reaper King, who, if you aren't familiar with him, it's five color. It doesn't really matter yeah. when, when a scarecrow enters the battlefield under your control, destroy target permanent. So strong. Yeah, yep. strong. Uh, and again, that. Um, wasn't really designed super thoughtfully because no. to be fair, to be fair, commander didn't exist at the time Yeah, or, or wasn't like something that wizards was designing towards at the time. Um, but the problem with that is that rather if you really want to build, if you want to really want to design a tribal commander, then you really need to focus the reward and hoop on the mechanics of that tribe. Yeah. So for example, like the fact that all scarecrows are colorless and all scarecrows are artifacts, like those are things you can really hang your hat on if you wanted to design a scarecrow commander or, or even like there's they've got a lot of flavor that you can play with, like some sort of interaction with planes maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but they didn't do any of that. They just did vindicate. They just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Picked a mechanic out of a hat. Um, so what that ended up creating is that situation we were talking about before where like, you're not going to ever play your six drop scarecrows because they have two and three drop changelings that you can run instead. Yeah. It's just way better. Yeah. And, and this is also notable. Like this is a two mana blank creature. It's a changeling. So like this is, let's say you need another zombie, you need another merfolk for your white blue merfolk deck or mm-hmm. something like like this this just kind of is cheap like you can play it in a robo it attacks for six in yeah. a robo. whoa on turn three that's turn big three deal. yeah that which is that's good yeah. so th- this is mostly just notable because it is a cheap member of insert tribe. tribe here yeah um especially reaper king as we were saying but, yeah but there's a just a this is going to be one of those weird cards where you're like oh i'm running imposter the six pride because <laughs> wow because you can and yeah. it's probably might might work who mm-hmm. knows uh the next one's an actual cat oh the oh, also that art is a cat guy with a sword jelly sword yep the next one's an actual cat do you want to read this guy off sure uh it is king of the pride two and a white for a two one cat other cats you control get plus two plus one bam and that's a big buff nailed it 
so we've often said that anthem effects that are just plus one plus one aren't really impactful enough oh, in yeah. commander uh, they need to be at least plus two power to scale to like 40 life mm-hmm. and multiple opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy, he clears that bar. He, d- he did it. Yeah, he did it. And he's cheap and he's an uncommon and that's it. Yeah. So Maybe. if if you've got a, a go wide cat deck like Kemba or Raksha, then you should definitely consider running this guy. Yeah. Cool. It's great. I love when uncommons work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this next guy is Ranger Captain of Eos, a three mana, uh, three three human soldier, one white white, uh, and when Ranger Captain of Eos enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature with CMC one or less, reveal it and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library, and then you can sacrifice him uh, to have opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Um, there's a lot going on yeah on this guy this is more of a like eternal like competitive 60 card plug yeah than an, um, a commander card mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of play for commander with this guy yeah there are some solid engines at one cmc you've yeah. got like goblin welder is so important if, if you were running like white red artifacts maybe mm-hmm. um goblin welder is really important weathered wayfarer is a powerful engine like yeah being able to search out all the lands you want yeah um, that's a theme in my life for whatever reason has been kami of false hope mm. just getting that uh which is a one mana uh, one white for a one one spirit you can sack it to fog uh that has been it's f- for some reason i have seen that card every time i've played a game <laughs> for like the last like two or three weeks mm-hmm. or at least every every session mm-hmm. that we've sat down for which is funny but like there's a lot of stuff you can do yeah uh but uh, i think that that m- the number of targets we have right now might not quite be enough to make this guy worthwhile and mm-hmm. and the the metric i'm using the heuristic i'm using is the fact that ranger of eos currently doesn't see much play in commander mm-hmm. which is four mana three two and searches for two creatures with cmc one so i although i guess there are exceptions because getting a cmc one or less creature might matter more i'm thinking maybe in like um in teshar for example it's pretty sweet oh, yeah. if you can cast this guy go get like a memnite or whatever uh, and then sack him. Your opponents can't cast non-creature and spells. And then you keep on moving. Get it? Well, and then you get it back with the Memnite, and then you get another zero-cost creature. You can just kind of keep one oh, yeah. person locked out of casting non-creature spells. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So maybe that's a thing. Yeah, that actually. I'll think about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think about that for Arena too. Um, but yeah, th- it's a toolboxy card for sure. Um, I like narrow tutors. I think Nick likes narrow tutors. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely that with a little bit of extra there. Definitely. Um, the next card is the Archmage's Charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is in blue instant for blue, 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 three CMC. It has choose one, counter target spell, target player draws two cards, or gain control of target non-land permanent with CMC one or less. Uh Yeah cool uh, yeah <laughs> uh i like that they're printing cards that reward you for playing a monocolor deck yes 
uh, like monocolor decks, just they have access to fewer answers, a smaller slice of the color by relative True. to multicolor decks. So anything they can do to make it worthwhile to run them, just to to balance that disparity a little bit, it, I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about this card? I think it is cool. I think it is not um, as powerful as options that mono blue decks would have in the form of like cryptic command or something like mm-hmm. that. But um, it's a charm and it's like probably one of the stronger charms we've seen and just like the versatility of uh, stealing a soul ring when you need a ramp mm-hmm. or countering the spell that's going to kill like the crater hoof that's going to kill you or um, nothing happened and you're kind of in the pit. So you got to draw two more cards and all at instant speed is, is pretty good. Yeah, I think that uh, just having counters target spell as the base mode means yeah. this is never going to be bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then having the option to do other things on top of that is nice. Like yeah. going end of your turn three, steal your soul ring, untap, I have six mana. Yeah. <laughs> that can You can go a lot of places yeah. with that. And not only, like, I like that play a lot, not only because uh, you ramp, but because you denied them mm-hmm. theirs at the same time. So you're like, end of your turn, and, and I mean, everyone has soul ring. So you just like, end of your turn, steal your soul ring. Now I'll play mine too. Mm-hmm. Ah, like, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much more to say because I, I like this. I, I hope they print more like monocolor rewards over time. Yeah, I I presume that this is a cycle. And so I'm really stoked to see like what the white and red ones are going to look like. Um, yeah, I'm hoping it's a cycle. It might be like now. I'm not so sure. I think this might be like a greater cycle, like the uh, swords. Uh, spoiler alert Ooh. that they're going to complete over time mm. as opposed to like release all in this one set. Okay. But I I don't know. I'm mm. not I'm I'm not the source uh making the cards. Mm-hmm. Um the next guy, do you want to read this guy off? Sure. Uh this is Bizarre Trade Mage. Two and a blue for a three four human wizard with flying. So you may have noticed that that's above rate. Yep. Yeah, but he's also got an ability when he enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard three cards. So kind of a downside but there are a lot of decks that can make use of this mm-hmm. uh what what are you thinking yeah i mean my first thought was scarab god because mm-hmm. scarab god can put this back as a 4-4 flyer and likes milling mm-hmm. but also likes card selection uh and isn't as much of a zombie commander as like other zombie commanders you don't actually yeah. need to run that many zombies scarab god is more of a value commander yeah um this sets up a really quick Marcel win, I realized, mm. um, because you play this on turn three, you play Marcel on turn four, and you already have the things in your graveyard to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really good in Moldrotha, I was thinking about, because um, it's basically just draw two cards in Moldrotha, because mm-hmm. that card deck doesn't care about cards in your graveyard. Um, and then, does Sharam need more filter? I don't, I don't think, think so. So right, this doesn't seem good in that deck. So Sharma the Hegemon is a uh, six six flying sphinx in Esper for like six. I think this is off the top of my head. Uh, and when she enters the battlefield, you reanimate an artifact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muldrotha is a six six for six, but in uh, black green blue, you can cast a permanent of each type on your turn from your graveyard. Um, Marisil is a wizard. 
who he enters the battlefield and you can put something in, in like uh, exile something with a counter on it and then activate that ability. Well, he it's worth noting that he can exile from your hand or graveyard. Oh, okay. So it actually you don't need it to use this guy to pitch. Okay. Oh, but it does dig you deeper though. Mm-hmm. So eh, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This basically the I was digging around because I just can't see a reason to play this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. There's not really a deck that I can think of that uh, does this other than Cedrus. Yeah. That's the one that kind of seems universally like you would like this guy. Mm-hmm. And Cedrus uh, gives all of your guys unearth for black uh, and two colorless. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of it. I'm not super jazzed on this guy. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where he ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Force of Negation. Ooh. One blue blue for an instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. Counter target non-creature spell. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. What do you think about this? I think this is really good. I um, like Negate in Commander, actually. Mm-hmm. This is better Negate. This is the um, Dismiss or... Uh, Oh, oh, dissipate. Man. Dissipate. This is dissipate, but you can cast it for free to stop heinous stuff from happening. Mm-hmm. That's that great. That's powerful. Yeah. That's like being able to like tap out to do what you want to do and then like... Still hold an answer up. Exactly. Is is uh, That's the reason Force is like a hundred something dollars. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love this card. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that they, whenever they have these like really powerful blue mage cards they the art will tend to be like lots of red and lots of blue <laughs> and i really hate that so yeah much. like it's just so like jarring and i understand like i get the point but i would like it just i don't know it, it, it doesn't it's not very pleasing yeah i don't, I don't like idols. the new interpretation of force of will yeah i actually like the the old force of will art where it's just red and like to sh- it kind of shows like you don't have to be a weakling to be a blue mage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, this next guy, uh, spoiler alert, is not a weakling. Mm-hmm. This is his Pondering Mage. Um, uh, can I read this guy off? Yeah, go for it. So Pondering Mage is a 3-4 human wizard for a 3 and 2 blue, so CMC 5. Whoa. Uh, when Pondering Mage enters the battlefield, you look at the top three cards of your library, put them back in any order, and then shuffle your library. Uh, or sorry that makes no sense it's ponder you look at the top three put them back in any order you may shuffle your library and then you draw a card mm-hmm. uh i was getting getting weird up in there uh this is uh definitely a blue common mm-hmm. uh so i think that most of the power of this card is in the body because it's a three four mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and that's not really what you want to see on etb creature no <laughs> yeah one deck that I think might want this is Nabon because there just aren't quite enough mono blue ETB wizards yeah, at the moment. That's true. Um, and then maybe like uh, less competitive Inala lists, but Inala generally has more powerful things it could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Inala. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to black. The first card we're going to talk about uh, was spoiled a while ago. It is Cabal Therapist, one black mana for a 1-1 horror with menace. 
At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name, then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards with that name. So what do you think about this card? Yeah, I think... so. Uh, there is a general thing. I think that this is not just a card you can put in a deck. I think that like this is granted you have more information from your draw step, but like pre-combat main phase is like a pretty restrictive time Mm -hmm. to do something because you, it's more or less is like an upkeep trigger Mm -hmm. uh, just because you have to make a choice before you attack or anything like that. Uh, But also means that this card has to survive an entire turn. So if this you play this card for one, it survives an entire turn, and then let's say you sag something else so that you don't have to sag it, then you have to guess what's in their hand and see and and like hit it. Mm-hmm. So it's only really good the second time once you know, and once the table kind of sees what's going on. Um, that being said, there's some decks that like can that doesn't really matter as much so in particular like shirei shizu's caretaker is a five mana two two um that whenever a creature with one uh it's one power right Mm -hmm. uh dies you can bring it back at the end of the turn um so this guy i think is fine in there because not only do you kind of get to eat out spells that would mess you up from your opponent's hands Mm -hmm. you kind of get the longevity that other decks don't have the benefit of yeah um and it's also fits this weird niche where it's a one mana tiny aggressive creature that kind of has this weird sack thing and like makes them discard so like in the future there might be a deck that wants something with those characteristics but not right now um so that yeah that's uh that's where i'm at on it right now the art is freaking awesome <laughs> yeah it's really cool uh, yes, of course. We will we'll continue talking about the art and our audio media. <laughs> um, do you want to move on to the next guy or do you have something? No, you no, say? I'm, I'm happy to move on to the next one. It cool. is Changeling Outcast, a single black mana for a 1-1 shapeshifter with Changeling. And Changeling Outcast can't block and can't be blocked. Ooh. So there are some... So I think this card is going to see more play than Imposter of the Six Pride. Yeah. Yes. Um, in part because there are just more black decks that are like really OP uh, tribal rewards. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to Reaper King, there is Yuriko, the Tiger's Tiger Shadow, the Tiger mm-hmm. Shadow, uh, which is a ninja commander that whenever a ninja you control hits somebody, you get to reveal the top card. Every all your opponents lose that much lose life equal to its CMC, and then you put it into your hand. So just having a one drop is really great especially a one drop an evasive one drop because you can just cast this turn one swing with it and then commander ninjutsu turn two get yuriko down and then you can just farm more hits after that Mm -hmm. um the storm's fury she is essentially a um shared animosity but for dragons yeah so that's (laughs) a really powerful tribal effect and you just um, the fact that this is evasive comes down super early, happens to be a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good fit for that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, Beckett Brass. Oh, yes. So Beckett Brass is one and Grixis for a pirate lord. She gives pirates plus one plus one. And then whenever... Oh, I got to look up the exact wording about this because she is very specific. I think it's... I, 
my guess is that it's whenever three or more pirates deal combat damage to an enemy player, you steal target non-land permanent they control. Uh, close enough. Okay. Uh, it's Yeah, it's at the beginning of your end step. Gain control of target oh. non-land permanent controlled by a player who has dealt combat damage by three or more pirates this turn. Oh, that's so weird. So uh, ideally with Beckett Brass, you'd be getting the trigger. Like you cast her on turn four and immediately get the trigger. So you really want to curve out with your pirates. And the fact that this is a one drop, the fact that it has evasion, it's perfect for that deck. Mm-hmm. It's really funny that like these changelings, like the cheap changelings and the cheap evasive changelings are actually worth talking about because like so many decks actually need them. Mm-hmm. And especially the pirate deck, like they, I mean, we talked about the pirate deck before, but they just didn't support it in the way they needed to. Yeah, but I, man, I really want to see how many changelings we get. The number of changelings we get their mana cost and the colors in which they are printed matters a lot. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're all vanilla creatures. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. it just, it's, they're going to have an impact on commander. Yeah. So funny. Uh, this next guy is, um, not a changeling, but is a sliver, mm-hmm. which changelings are sometimes all the time. Uh, this is drag dragscape sliver. Uh, Man, that was really hard for me to say. It is a 2-2 sliver for one and a black. Uh, Each sliver creature card in your graveyard has unearthed two, and it itself has unearthed two. What does unearthed do? Yes, so unearthed. You might have heard me mention it with Cedrus, but I didn't actually get into it. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, So unearthed is you can pay two. uh, when, When the card is in your graveyard, you can pay its unearthed cost to return it from the graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, and then you exile it at the beginning of the next end step or if it would leave the battlefield. Uh, And then you can only unearth at sorcery speed. So basically, like, first main phase, unearth a bunch of guys, attack with them, and then uh, more than likely they get exile at the end Mm -hmm. of the turn. Uh, It's a good way to, like, close out a game Mm -hmm. (laughs) in, like, more aggressive strategies. This was kind of like the Grixis aggro deck of that time period. This was the originally printed in Grixis, Mm -hmm. the mechanic. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about this guy as a sliver? So, okay. It's a little hard to evaluate how good it is on his own. I actually mm-hmm. don't have a lot of experience with Unearth. I didn't play during uh, Shards Block. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can provide... Or you've you've run Cedrus, so maybe mm-hmm. you can provide a little more detail on like how useful it is at like yeah. combating board wipes, for example, mm-hmm. or... Or what it, how good it would be in an aggro deck like Slivers. What do you, what's your take on that? So one of the things about Unearth and especially Cedrus is that you're just the fighting to get around the exile trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cedrus in particular was better not like going wide and unearthing a bunch of guys, but just like unearthing a big guy. Um, so this card being a sliver which kind of goes wide and Mm. they just go wide and kind of buff each other and support each other um not something i really wanted like patriarch's bidding which reanimates all cards of a creature type Mm -hmm. it's probably just better even though this is a 2-2 i can imagine if you're trying to do something particular with slivers or like really combo off somehow or you got your mana weft sliver out, which makes slivers tight for mana, and then you unearth this guy to get more mana or something. Like, I can imagine there's some shenanigans you can do with this, but mm-hmm. as far as like rebuilding after a board wipe or getting in the last few points of damage, it's not that efficient. Okay, you're usually like 
you don't see a lot of unearthed creatures in commander for that reason uh and the reason cedrus is good is it gives things that shouldn't have it unearth okay i'm thinking of a line right now that's like all right you're running sliver overlord mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you get somehow you find your training grounds whatever you yeah, find yeah then so you use your is that even good I'm well, I'm thinking like maybe you use Sliver Overlord and go get Homing Sliver, which has Sliver Cycling. Yep, yep. And then you use all your Sliver Cycling guys. Uh, like you just chain, or like you get onto the battlefield and then you just sort of chain your Slivers, get them all into the graveyard. And then you get um, this Unearth Sliver. And then the Unearth cost is all reduced by one. So it's mm-hmm. just one mana, get all these Slivers from out of your graveyard onto the battlefield with haste. Yeah. And then something, something. <laughs> you could do that. The um, seems like you, if you could do that enough times, you could kill people really quick. So mm-hmm. it'd be like a basically sliver combo, which uh, doesn't, I mean, kind of exists now, but not at the same time. I've seen like a few, you know how people do elf ball decks. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few like sliver ball decks where yeah. they just like generate way too much mana and kill you with like comet storm or something mm-hmm. um so i could see something like that happening with slivers now that this guy exists um and slivers have a lot of activated abilities too yeah um so that wouldn't be you you could just play a sliver game if you don't <laughs> get the pieces in the right order or something but yeah i, I think just the pieces are kind of hard to assemble unless it's um sliver uh, overlord yeah in uh, general all right speaking of and then Sorry, I want to revisit something else you said when you were talking about Cedrus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is about cheating the unearth trigger. So mm-hmm. can you just explain briefly how you would cheat this? It says, oh, yeah. It says exile it at the beginning of the next step, or if it would leave the battlefield. How yes. do you get around that? Yeah, that is important. I, I didn't talk about that. So um, it says exile. So like exile if blank, like if it would leave the battlefield. So if you do something that... Uh, exiles it anyway let's say like blink it or uh flicker it or um exile until the permanent goes away or something mm. like that anything that exiles as part of its effect the unearth trigger looks at that and goes oh cool you're going to the right place and then your creature goes yeah see you soon and then the trigger goes what and then it comes back hmm. the other one that's really funny you can do is give your guy f- uh phasing mm. because then it's not literally not there to see <laughs> the trigger and it just phases back in next turn and uh is cool. is chilling. All right. Um that's the really goofy version of that. There's a card that like uh, creatures that attack this turn phases out, the mm-hmm. blue one. Um it's like an enchantment. I can't remember what it's called. Uh d- you'll have to google it or scryfall or something. Um that was really good in Cedrus. Mm. <laughs> Cuz you're like attack you with malignus. It's gone. And then you get malignus mm. back next turn <laughs> and you keep going. Nice. Malignus being uh Power and toughness equal to half the opponent with the highest life totals. Life, life total. Life total. So usually it's a twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, riffing on that that thing about if you exile it anyway, then the condition has been met mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. can get it back. Um, there is a sliver that's a riff on a very old card. It's called Frenetic Sliver. It is one blue-red for a 2-2 two, two sliver. All slivers have pay zero. Yeah. If this permanent is on the battlefield, flip a coin. If you win the flip, 
exile this permanent, and return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. If you lose the flip, sacrifice it. So I was thinking that a cool way you could use Dregscape Sliver is in combination with Frenetic Sliver yeah, and just have really, really good defense against board wipes because <clears throat> what would happen is that uh, if somebody casts a board wipe, you've got Frenetic Sliver and Dregscape on the battlefield. So first you Frenetic Sliver, flip, you know, you flip your coins, whatever. Half your guys get sacrificed, half of them return to the battlefield. Then on your next turn, all the guys that got sacrificed, you use your Unearth Sliver to get them back. And then, you know, you do your attacks, whatever. And then for all of the Unearth guys, then you activate your Frenetic Sliver, and then half of those get saved and don't have to get exiled permanently and then the other half just poof yeah they gone but yeah that's a i mean definitely a discount saves you a lot of cards yeah so like you only lose on average a quarter of your guys to a board wipe so that might be a thing i don't know it seems cool it's and it seems really good if uh you have cards like harmonic sliver that with etb triggers yeah that definitely does slivers in particular mm-hmm. are pretty good so <laughs> i i think i mean i i would play this guy just period just because he's a sliver with a non-trivial ability and i think that the more like if i were to have a sliver deck i feel like i would find more and more weird niche cases like that where this guy is really good but i can't say uh just like the base case of like you just unearth a bunch of guys and attack is like super good Mm -hmm. but like you said like the frenetic sliver there's other things that seem like you can kind of push it over the edge Mm -hmm. um and now we have another force force of despair is one black black for an instant if it's not your turn you may exile a black card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost destroy all creatures that entered the battlefield this turn yeah (laughs) what do you think about it so um Man, I'm going to kind of... Okay, I'm going to kind of quote something you said before. Mm -hmm. So this is... um, The power of these spells is really dependent on what you're getting. So the fact that it's free uh, really only matters... uh, Relative relative. to what the, the... The base cost is. Exactly. And so like, there's multiple cards that are cheap or free that are black removal. So like there's snuff out or vendetta or dismember. Um, and it's not that difficult to hold up removal on an opponent's turn. And most of the time, this is just going to be a free like doom blade or something like mm-hmm. that, or free snuff out. Or, um, I guess technically like a free murder cause it's whatever entered. Yeah. Um, this has the, the, the reason for this card being maybe better than those cards because the timing on this card like a creature that entered the battlefield this turn is a lot more restrictive you have to like pop it then you can't think about it Mm -hmm. um the reason why you would run that is like if your meta has a bunch of combos Mm -hmm. so there's a kiki-jiki player in your play group or something like that so at that point i would run this like if there's a ton of like squirrel nest combos or um something like that or uh i'm trying to think dragon storm <laughs> i'm trying to think of things people do nowadays yeah. that but uh, other than like if your meta isn't comboing that hard mm-hmm. i don't really see that much of a reason 
to play this over some other removal spell. Yeah. And and that's really the, I don't know, that's kind of my caveat on it. Uh, well, I don't I don't even know if there are that many combos that need this specific card rather than just like a where like a doom blade or or in this pre, or in our examples like a snuff out wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> because like if they've got Gigi conscripts like you can just shoot one piece or the other in response to them targeting it. Yeah. Yeah. And and like uh with uh earthcraft squirrel nest like they've still got an untapped squirrel at the end of the combo so yeah. they can <laughs> just go at it again yeah no i think the big thing about it is like it let being able to tap out lets you be proactive mm-hmm. and that's kind of more the reason than the than the effect efficiency of the card like yeah. oh i don't need to worry about my friend who plays kiki because i'm trying to work towards this busted thing mm-hmm. and again i don't think that most decks want that i don't think most decks even do that yeah <laughs> there aren't many decks that are that much of a machine outside of like cedh yeah so maybe if somebody's like genesis waving or primal surging yeah so you, if you have a serial primal surge player mm-hmm. in your play group this might be worth it yeah. um but yeah, no, not. I mean, it's cool. Mm. Yeah, the art's cool. Uh, yeah, Seb does another good turn. Hell yeah! Um, this next guy is a zombie. Uh, this is Undead Augur. It is a two-two zombie wizard for black black. And whenever Undead Augur or another zombie you control dies, uh, draw a card and lose one life. Uh, how do you feel about this guy? So I run Verena Lich Queen. And I'm pretty happy to run just like a random two drop zombie that is really good protection against board wipes because like, you know, as we've said multiple times this podcast already, (laughs) uh, the biggest problem for non-token, non-Voltron aggro is just dealing with board wipes. And this guy, hey, if, if he's on the battlefield, then they either have to, they probably have to answer him first and then wipe the board or... They'll just wipe the board and you just draw a million cards. Yep. Um, it also seems like it could be good in decks, other decks with lots of zombies and easy access to sack outlets. So I was thinking Ghoul Caller Gisa, she makes zombies. She is herself a sack outlet. Yeah. Um, some Grimgrin builds, they use it as zombie tribal. So he's a sack outlet and you're going to have other zombies. So it seems like a good fit. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I don't think this is anything too special, but I do think it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, this next guy... <laughs> can I talk about this next guy? Sure. So this is Fist of Flame. This is one in a red instant. Uh, it has draw a card. Until end of turn, target creature gains trample and gets plus one plus zero oh for each card you've drawn this turn. Um, so this is basically just a feather card. Um, and I've been playing Feather for a little bit now. It's like changed a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. over the time I've played it. And uh, I mean, Zada definitely wants this card. Um, just any card that says draw a card that targets a creature and like the fact that this one buffs and the fact that like you're going to get sequentially larger buffs as like they resolve and mm-hmm. go down the chain is very good. And I think that this is fine in feather too because basically this is a win condition as well as a cantrip and this replaces like one of the slow trips or uh kind of more specific or less good 
cantrips. Um, and honestly, like I, I haven't been running fists of the anvil. Mm-hmm. I think I should be, but I think I'm just going to put this card in instead <laughs> just because it draws a card and does something when you're working up to the point when you need either a big feather or a bunch of tokens that are bigger. Um, okay. okay. Like when I saw this, I was thinking like with feather, like how many one CMC cantrips or slow trips are you running currently? Uh, I'm running eight of them. I'm running the eight ones that don't have timing restrictions, I think. Because okay. I think there's like... 10 if you 10 one mana ones with timing restrictions on mm-hmm. them and that's including slow trips and then there's a lot more two mana ones and there's a lot of two mana slow trips yeah because <laughs> i because i was thinking like um if you have a critical mass of the one cmc ones then it almost doesn't even matter if they're slow trips yeah because the, yeah yeah okay and i and like i said i am running the slow trip i'm i this would cut like uh, lightning blow so like target creature gets first strike like okay. draw a card on their upkeep mm-hmm. uh like this card is just so much better than that one yeah <laughs> for the deck because and so that that's basically kind of where i'm at with it i actually do think this is a good feather card and then there's just going to be the turn where you go like like heal accelerate i drew a card for my turn uh give feather double strike fist of the flame mm-hmm. and then you kill someone <laughs> And that will be great. Okay. All right. Sweet. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Do, do it. Uh, goblin Engineer. One in a red for a 1-2 Goblin Artificer. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. Then it also has red tap sacrifice an artifact, return target artifact card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. What are your thoughts on this card? I love this guy. I like that red gets tutoring if it is bad, or mm-hmm. just red can do things if it's bad. It's like, yeah, you only get it for a little bit, or like, no, it goes in your graveyard, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> and this little guy um, does a lot for what he is, like a one, two for two. Um, the reanimate um, is, is good, definitely. Uh, not as good as Goblin Welder, but I think I would just run both of them. Yeah. I think that um, a lot of the time, like most of the time I haven't been using Goblin Welder for like um, Worm Coil Engine oh, or yeah, yeah. Battlesphere Recursion. Like most of the time when I'm using Goblin Welder, it's to do more combo-y stuff. Yeah. It is unfortunate that it can't get back like Bolus's Citadel or... Um, yeah. <laughs> paradox engine yeah but there is uh, still a lot of combo pieces that he can get back like to get like to tutor out rings of bright hearth and then get it back and then now you can double double the thing activate. yeah like that's i'm sad he doesn't hit solemn that's one of the things i'm sad about because that's that's one of my favorite things like to do with goblin welder is like it's like turn two or three and you pitch to solemn and then you can start doing that until you go off like get a solemn or two for free importantly though it does hit scrap trawler it does hit scrap trawler which i've uh been spoiler playing alert. a lot recently and it's been really, really yeah good. scrap trawler is awesome also spoiler alert we're gonna talk about that card again uh, yeah it'll come up soon <laughs> uh, but no i i'd really like goblin engineer i mm-hmm. think it hits most of the things you want to hit with it even at the three cmc like reanimate cap mm-hmm. um and then just you 
red artifact decks love artifacts in the graveyard. Yeah, no, I've been uh, praying for Goblin Welder redundancy for a long time. Yeah. So to see this guy is super exciting. Yeah, really red. Yeah. Uh, can I read this next guy real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. So this is Goblin War Party. This is a four mana sorcery, three in a red. It has choose one, create three one one red goblin creature tokens, or creatures you control get plus one plus one in haste until end of turn, or entwine for two in red. So for uh, what is that? Seven mana. Mm-hmm. You get three two two red goblins with haste until end of turn, and then you just they shrink back to one ones. Um. This is the reason we're bringing this up in particular is for a few decks. So uh, Zada, who wants a critical mass of tokens, Perforos, who likes when guys enter the battlefield, Krenko, who likes goblins, and Merton, who is uh, makes your boys big for how many boys you got. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all mono red lists that want like this critical mass of token production, uh, and three bodies for four mana isn't like the best, but like. That's what you need. Yeah, <laughs> we just need more cards that produce this much advantage, even if it's at a rate I'm not super happy about. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the best rate, but there uh, until we get like redundancy for uh, until we get redundancy for like hordling outburst. Uh, yeah. This is kind of what we're just going to be playing because getting three perforous triggers is not nothing, and yeah, you just need and you just need a critical mass of token generators yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah especially perforous just like it's six damage Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like a card that said like get three goblins deal six to each opponent would probably be costed much more than that card is costed um do you want to head on to the next next guy sure um this is hollowhead sliver two and a red for a two two sliver sliver creatures you control have tap discard a card draw a card Ooh. Um, this is it, it, kind of an important mention because there aren't many slivers that let you draw cards, period. Mm-hmm. So even though this is rummaging, um, it lets you dig through your deck for your important slivers, perhaps your dredge sliver. Yeah, helps you, it keeps you from getting flooded out, which is pretty yeah. important. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely one way your your sliver deck could lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking... Uh, this could be really good in combination with Dregscape Sliver, just yeah. like if you. Oh man, I wish that, I wish that there was a sliver. Well, okay, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting like a lot of thoughts at once. So, one of the slivers they spoiled was like a like red white for a one one slivers you control have haste and flying. Yep. So I was thinking maybe if we're very lucky we could get another sliver that grants vigilance and another useful ability <laughs> yeah because current the the currently like the slivers that grant vigilance like they just grant vigilance they're not really worth running mm-hmm. but if you're already running something that gives vigilance the ability to attack and then tap all your guys to loot like crazy and then maybe next turn get them back with dregscape sliver and then attack with those and loot mm-hmm. with those I don't know. I um, I am excited by this card. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I am too. Um, yeah, it's it's. I didn't think I would be excited to see more slivers, but they've been they've made some really interesting ones, which it, is definitely cool. Yeah. Um, this next guy is uh kind of weird, mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna read him off and then we'll say a few things. So, this is plain bound accomplice. Uh, they are a one three human wizard for a two and a red. They have red, 
You may put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, so sneak attack for Planeswalkers. Uh, what's the... Uh, there's there's a thing about sneak attack, though, <laughs> that uh, usually the things you're sneaking in do a lot yeah. when they enter. I, I don't they e- usually have a lot of power and maybe some combat damage triggers mm-hmm. or ETBs. And something kind or, of busted. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, there's Ren and Six in the background of this guy, so I can't really imagine paying one, dropping Ren and Six... Ping Pew! You. <laughs> Ping you for one, and then sacking Ren and Six at the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of Planeswalkers with abilities that are like good enough, like, and I can't. Like, there's maybe some minus abilities that are really stupid. You're like Ugin early. You're like, I just got a Ugin right now. Yeah, like, good getting like Ugin is or Ugin or um one of the boluses. I was thinking Ugin or Teferi or not. Teferi. Oh yeah. Uh, well, actually. Ugin Teferi Tezzeret. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first Tezzeret. Um, but really, there's just not many. This is not worth running. No, yeah. I mean, there. there's... My assumption is that we're going to see this guy in a lot of, like, Nicol Bolas lists. Hmm. Um, this is a thing that I... We have a friend who has a Nicol Bolas, like, tribute deck, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and I found out that this is just a thing that exists in the world. Like, playgroups have play group like players with nickel bolus decks that have like the nickel boluses and nickel bolus cards and grixis control aspects and stuff and my guess is that this will show up there mm-hmm. but and that's fine because you know it'll have like a home quote quote but <laughs> i just don't think that we've had a planeswalker that works good enough with this yeah i'm I don't think that is really a commander card. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This next card, though, mm. I'm I'm into this guy. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, do you want to read them off? Sure. Seasoned Pyromancer. One red red for a 2-2 two, two human shaman. When Seasoned Pyromancer, Pyromancer enters the battlefield, discard two cards, then draw two cards. For each non-land card discarded this way, create a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token. And you can pay three red, three red red, and exile Season Pyromancer from your graveyard to create two one one red elemental creature tokens. Yeah, weird. So this guy does a lot of things. Yeah, he just does a lot of things. Um, I think that one place that you'd probably be happy to run him is in um, Felden of the Third Path. Yeah, definitely. So if you're not familiar with him, Felden of the Third Path is one red red for a two three human artificer. He has two red tap, uh, basically create a token copy of a creature in your graveyard. It gains haste and sacrifice it at the next and beginning of the next end step, but it's an artifact. Yeah. So this is a way to both dump big fatties in your graveyard for that list. And also like it's decent to reanimate and just churn through your deck and like dig for whatever you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. There's like a few, like, I was trying to think of other decks that want this. There's a few decks that just want to churn through their list pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, making blockers or, like, little elementals is good. He doesn't do anything, like, particularly well. Mm-hmm. And which kind of leads me to, like, my big main thought about this guy. Where, like, why is he mythic? Mm-hmm. What? Why'd you do that? <laughs> um, there's some rarities in this set that I just don't understand. Like, this guy is powerful. You have a two two if you pitch two things you get two like two two non lands you get two 
elementals. And then late game, if you need two elementals, you got them. You pay five. There you go. But like Timmy, if he opens this in his booster pack, he's not going to really get yeah. it. This is like, this is not going to excite anyone. No. I mean, except like, you know, spikes who are like, oh, yeah. all the value. <laughs> yeah, look at all that value. No, yeah, I like, I know he is good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want a few of him and play with him. Um, but why is he mythic? Yeah. What? That's weird. Uh, also he's worth, it's worth mentioning that like, uh, he could potentially make up to three bodies for three mana. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Which is a, a better rate than that goblin card we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and that's, so he'd go into the same decks we suggested like Zeta and Perforos. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely true. All right. We've hit the green cards and the first one is a doozy. Mm-hmm. Um, and by a doozy, I mean, uh, I never thought they would bring a card like this. <laughs> um, this is Ayula's Influence. Uh, green, green, green. Three CMC for an enchantment that says, discard a land, create a 2-2 green bear creature token. That's it. It's um, it's a, uh, oh no. Pitch a land. Deep, seismic uh, Assault. It's Seismic Assault, but bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, bears rain from the sky. Um yeah, how do you feel about this card? So I would definitely run Ayula's influence in Ayula. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I currently have a Lord Wind Grace list, and I don't think I would run it there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it, I'm I'm on the fence about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that Seismic Assault is better than this. Like, the board control is a lot more important if you're trying to protect your planeswalker or like threaten people. Yeah. Whereas like other people, like if you can't really say like, Hey, if you don't mess with me, I won't make any bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really work. But, uh, the best use I've seen so far for this is in the Gitrog monster. Yeah. Uh, so the Gitrog monster, for those of you who aren't familiar with it is whenever, one or more lands are put in your graveyard from anywhere, you get to draw a card. Yeah. And it's got some other abilities. Yeah. <laughs> but the main thing is that if you have, if you have the get rog monster out and a discard outlet and a Dakmore salvage, which is a land with dredge two, then you can essentially mill your entire library and draw a bunch of cards. It's a very powerful combo. So the thing is most of the discard outlets in black green don't give you anything good yeah <laughs> like it's like wild mongrel or noose constrictor where it's just i've got a very large vanilla creature that can be chumped easily <laughs> whereas like ayula's influence you are actually getting value for discarding yeah which um, is nice so that's a, a big upgrade over a lot of what's currently in that deck yep yep for sure um yeah bear force is real mm-hmm. it, it's not but it is um this is, next card is I, I was so happy to see this is deep forest hermit uh deep forest hermit is a one one elf druid for three and two green uh so five cmc it has vanishing three uh so vanishing uh as a reminder is enters the battlefield with three vanishing counters and once the on your upkeep you remove a vanishing counter from it and once the last counter is removed you sacrifice it mm-hmm. It also has, when Deep Forest Hermit enters the battlefield, create four 1-1 one, one green squirrel creature tokens, and squirrels you control get plus one, plus one. So, uh, just on the surface, this is nine power for five, mm-hmm. and five bodies. So, that's 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's this, really good. Like this is a deranged hermit throwback, kind of like a workaround because deranged hermit, which is a five mana one one that does this but has echo mm-hmm. instead of vanishing three, is on the reserve list. Yep. And this, I would gladly play this. This is, I would argue, better in a lot of cases. Yeah. No, I really love um, increasing devotion, which is make five humans for five mana. Mm-hmm. And this is. You know, basically the same. If you are running a green token deck, I would suggest running this because it's just like a canned army. Yeah. You you have this and then like any anthem effect and that's probably enough to do some real damage. Yeah, because yeah, just, just this alone, like nine power for five, like that's like any help at all is a four turn clock. Yeah. <laughs> like anything. Uh, so it can get out of hand pretty quickly and that's one card. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, I have an Ajani the Great Hearted list, which I would be really excited to put this in. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the next card, do you want to read this guy? Yes. It's another is, force. It's another force. The final force. The final force. <laughs> force of Vigor. Two green green for an instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a green card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. Destroy up to two target artifacts and or enchantments. Um. What are you, what are your thoughts on this card? Yeah, I um I think that casting this card fairly is fine. I haven't I I think that there's better ways than just putting in a spell in your deck to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think the free scenario, which is like a 2 for 2 basically, um is fine. Again, this is like two stop combo shenanigans mm-hmm. this is so that you can tap out and not have to worry about your your friends like sherem deck or or uh whatever larkham dagson list or something like 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 this this is an anti-combo card and i think that if you just want this for a free return to dust you don't need you don't need it mm-hmm. you can do better but if again like there are some metas that are just so combo heavy that you might like if you were in a super combo heavy meta you might want to play this card but mm-hmm. i think most metas and this is the same with the black card this is the same with a lot of these cards you said like you like 90 percent of playgroups probably don't need this is yeah. my guess yeah i i think that it sort of has the same issue of the black card it's, mm-hmm. it's really similar in a lot of ways yeah yeah it really is because if you are casting this for like the emergency mode the my shields are down i just need to be able to answer that paradox engine or that bolus's citadel right now um then it you don't really care about the second target it's like there is one card that's going to kill me and i'm going to get some additional value and if that's the case then it doesn't have it's not that much better than like a nature's claim yeah which costs one mana and destroys an artifact or enchantment. So, or, or even like a, maybe a two mana answer, like a return to nature. Like there yeah. are a lot of very cheap answers to these same card types that like, yeah, you don't get the value of hitting something else, but you didn't need to hit something else. And with a nature's claim, you don't have to ever exile another card or spend an additional three mana. Yeah. That's a big cost. Yeah. So, again, like, this is just, this is a very, if your meta very specifically needs a weird answer like this, 
I would run this card mm-hmm. um, because you can play like Return of Dust is played in a ton of decks, but again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you do probably don't need to. Most most people aren't going to need to run this. You should just run Nature's Claim. You should run Return to Nature or something, something <laughs> else. Um, All right, this this next card has a very specific use, so I'm gonna run through it pretty quickly. Yeah. Glacial Revelation is two and a green for a sorcery. Reveal the top six cards of your library. You may put any number of snow permanent cards from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. So a uh, listener follower of Liliana pointed this one out. Sasaya uh, Rochi Ascendant, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's three cost snake woman. Um you can reveal your hand, and if there are seven or more lands in it, then you flip her, and then the flip side is an enchantment that basically uh, squares the mana you have available. Yeah, it's a lands you control tap for a mana of each other land with the same name as it. Yeah, so the the point of that deck is just to get seven forests in your hand however possible. So with Glacial Revelation, if you happen to be running Snow Forests, then if, like, Sasaya decks, I think it's their, they tend to be about 50% Forests, yeah. maybe even more. So revealing the top six cards, just three mana to get three Forests in your hand is actually a pretty good deal. Yeah, You'd be yeah. surprised how hard it is to get basic lands into your hand. Um, it, really, there's not many ways. You'd think there would be, and there aren't. Yeah. So uh, this seems like a great use for this card. And so thank you again to Follower of Liliana. Uh, The next one is really goof. This Mm -hmm. is Scale Up. um, And yes, the name is a pun. Uh, (laughs) It is one green sorcery until end of turn. Target creature you control becomes a worm with base power and toughness 6-4. And it has overload 4 and 2 green. So 6 mana to overload. Uh, Basically turns it into target creature you control becomes a worm with that six four two each creature you control becomes a worm it's a six four um this is basically the weirdest overrun they've printed in a long time Mm -hmm. um but there's some decks that want this do you want to kind of get into that at all yeah so there are a few commanders that um would consider running single use pump spells like usually because they plan on comboing off that same turn. So there's Silvala, the Heart of the Wilds, who I mentioned earlier, but yeah. she has uh she's three mana for a two three elf scout, and she has green, tap, add X mana of any combination of colors to your mana pool, where X is the highest power among creatures you control. So if you use it on her, then suddenly she you pay green and tap her for six mana minimum. And, of course, this effect uh, stacks with other pump spells, plus one, plus one counters, that kind of stuff. Yeah, because it's a base, like, the base stat, like, changing. So if you have any, like, if you have three plus one, plus one counters on a creature and then you turn it into a worm, it's now a 9-7. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. So there's uh, there's that usage. There's also Marwyn the Nurturer, who is a yeah. two and a green for a 1-1 one, one elf that whenever an elf you control it, whenever an elf enters the battlefield under control, put a plus one, plus one counter on her, and then you can tap to add green mana equal to her power. So she also works really well with scale up because then she's just tapping for tons of mana. 
And then with both of these commanders, once you have them in that mode where they are just making tons of mana, then you can throw in an Umbral Mantle or a Staff of Domination. You can make them infinitely large or just win with your infinite mana. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a good use for this card. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really weird overrun, like I said. like, And I'm somewhat trolled that it is a sorcery, but I guess if we get it for one mana on the front side, then that's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. Um, so the next card is Spring Bloom Druid, a 1-1 Elf Druid for a 2 and a green, so 3 CMC. When Spring Bloom... When Spring Bloom Druid enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a land. If you do, search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. So this is like a weird fixed Haro on a creature. Mm-hmm. So Haro was an instant. It was two and a green, sack a land in a, as an additional cost. Uh, and then you put two basic lands from your library into play, but untapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this puts two into play tapped. Um, this has a few uses. Um, do you want to talk about just kind of how this compares to other green mana dudes? Yeah, so there there are a lot of very similar elves that do this thing. There's also wood elves, which yep. sees a lot of play. It's yep. in 16,000 decks on EDH rec. Uh, there's also... So wood elves is three for a 1-1 one, one elf. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a forest and put it onto the battlefield. Farhaven Elf is two and a green for a one-one elf when it enters the battlefield. Rampant growth. Rampant growth. Yeah. There's also Elvish Rejuvenator, which is two and a green for a one-one elf when it enters the battlefield. Look at the top five, I think. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then you could put a land from among them onto the battlefield tapped. So you can see a theme here yeah. with three mana one-one elves. <laughs> yeah, and I think actually um, that the. F- format is sort of shifting away from these types of cards Mm -hmm. i think that although there are decks where these are still very good like if you're an elf tribal it's an it's a member of the relevant creature type that also gets you value and ramps you or if you're in druid tribal because there's set and crosser protector rewards you for playing druids um and like maybe if you're in a deck that blinks a lot but in general i think the format is has kind of shifted towards cheaper artifact mana or mana dorks and away from like three mana rampant growths, which is kind of essentially what this is. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you, you've got those other synergies going on, I would say that this is probably not a card you need to run. It's not as good as it used to be like five years ago. Yeah. There's, if you care about cards in your graveyard or something like that, maybe this is marginally better mm-hmm. than like Farhaven Elf or something like that. But I think it's exactly yeah. just what Nick said. I mean, I guess in Gitrog, like it gets you from three to five. And if you draw it later in the game, it cycles. Yeah, it draws you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's some uses. But uh, we, this is going to be a long one, everybody. We're almost there. <laughs> uh, we have one more green card. It is Unbound Flourishing. This is a green mythic. It is an enchantment. It is two and a green, so three CMC. Whenever you cast a permanent spell with a mana cost that contains X, double the value of X. And also, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell or activate an ability, if that spell's mana cost or that ability's activation cost contains X, 
copy that spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. They basically had to list this out in the weirdest way possible to make sure it works. They probably had a lot of fun figuring out that template. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, your X's are two times. Two times X. Um, That gets out of hand really quickly, um, but not every deck wants this, obviously. Um, Do you want to mention some of those those guys yeah i think there's as far as i can tell there's really only three decks that are super excited for this card yeah um so there's crufix god of horizons Mm -hmm. which is three green blue for a legendary enchantment creature god Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and essentially the thing about crufix is if mana would empty from your mana pool then instead it becomes colorless so he's he's like a mana battery sort of like omnath yeah um, so that deck, the way it tends to build is a lot of X spells, a lot of like brain geyser or say, uh, blue sun zenith, blue sun zenith yeah. effects, a lot of hydras like Genesis or Genesis wave. Yeah. Um, just gigantic X spells because you need these big mana sinks for all the mana that you're saving up. Yeah. You get, it's so much mana. <laughs> it's a lot of mana. So that this card is perfect for crucifix. It just doubles up all those X spells you're already running. There's Roshin Meanderer, which is three hybrid red-green for a 4-4 giant. And she has tap, add four colorless to your mana pool, spend this mana only to pay X. Yeah. So, or costs that include X. I forget the exact wording. But essentially, like, her deck um, is also tons of X spells in red and green, which there are a lot. There's a lot. Uh, and then finally, uh, I've also heard of people using Wart the Raid Mother as an expel commander. Yep. She grants, all, she makes some to- some red and green tokens, and then she grants all your uh, instants and sorcery spells conspire. conspire yeah. Which means they can, co- if you tap creatures at the time you cast them, you can copy them. So a lot of people tend to build her as an expel commander because you get you already get double the value of X, and now with Unbound Flourishing, you're doubling again. Yeah. Yeah, I just realized, though, there's one more that I forgot about um, because it's a niche usage. But, like, there's Animar, like X-Animar. This is pretty good there, too, because if you're casting some Hydra for, like, X is 12 because Mm -hmm. of Animar cost reduction, then you get a very big Hydra. (laughs) Nice. So that's that's some or like a hangerback walker or something like that. So that's that's actually Endless I one. think, yeah, yeah, that's a one case where that this is good too if you're in that version of Animar. Um, but yeah, that's an incredibly niche card. <laughs> um, so this next card, you all ready for this powerhouse right here? Oh yeah. So we're in the artifacts. This is Farmstead Gleaner. Do you care if I read it? You go ahead and read it out. I want to get into the analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is a Scarecrow. It is three mana for a 2-2. It has Farmstead Gleaner. Doesn't untap during your untap step. It also has two untap symbol. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Farmstead Gleaner. Whoa. (laughs) So I had to do a little bit of research on this one. (laughs) So for two or less mana, there are eight scarecrows, eight changelings, and a robot that pretends to be a scarecrow. Yep. Uh, There's also a land with all creature types. 
So Farmstead is definitely not beating any of those out for a slot in Reaper King. Yeah. Like, because in Reaper King, all that matters is what's cheapest. Uh, and then other three drops, there are, it, it's definitely worse than Mirror Entity, uh, Torian Mauler, Adaptive Automaton, Scarecrone, yeah. Scuttlemutt, and Wildfield Scarecrow. Yep. So altogether, that's 24 Scarecrows that you're definitely putting in Reaper King before you get to this guy. And of course, like as spoiler season progresses, as we see more changelings spoiled, it's possible that that number is going to grow even more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know exactly how many Scarecrows you should be running in Reaper King because I haven't played the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've... I've looked on edh rec the average reaper king deck is running 30 scarecrows so you've got about six slots open for scarecrows that cost three or more mana and uh they're all kind of the same they're all basically the same (laughs) in terms of power level but this guy's art is cool so i'll run him yep there you go hope that helps hope that helps Um, So this next card, uh, do you want to do the same thing? I'll read it in you. We'll do the alley-oop. Sure. So this is Scrapyard Recombiner. They are a 0-0 construct with Modular 2 for 3 mana, 3 generic. uh, And Modular 2 is this creature enters the battlefield with 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. When it dies, you may put its plus 1 plus 1 counters onto a target artifact creature. So Modular Creature is basically like put their bits on other robots when they die. Uh Um, and this one in particular has tap, sacrifice an artifact, search your library for a construct card, reveal it and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. Um, this is great. Yeah, I would. So there are some pretty good contracts out there. Oh yeah. Uh, metal worker is a construct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, scrap trawler is a construct. Mm-hmm, I haven't heard of that guy before. <laughs> uh, I would definitely run it. Pretty much, if you're if you have a deck that runs Scrap Trawler, I would definitely run this guy solely to get Scrap Trawler. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's. I just like this guy in general. You can get like a lot of cool things with him. Mm-hmm. But just like, oh my god, the the scenario <laughs> of like, okay, I I use him, I sack something, doesn't matter, go get Scrap Trawler, and then next turn, I have Scrap Trawler and this guy. I sack an artifact. I get another artifact back from my graveyard. I go search out another. I go search out another construct. Like it's a lot of value. And then there are also like constructs that you can search out that themselves have death triggers to yeah. get additional value, like treasure keeper and workshop assistant. It's so sick. So rad. So now, uh, oh, I should probably. Hold on, oh yeah, yeah, there's one more thing that you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I should probably read out Scrap Trawler because we actually haven't done it this oh, episode. Okay. Um, Scrap Trawler is three mana for a three-two construct. When Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. So it just kind of. He's good at like creating a chain. Yeah, or you're getting uh you sack an artifact to get back an artifact that can get a bigger artifact. Yeah. Or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's very fun and very good. Uh also note that this kind of dirtling is uh this is it's very dirtly. And this kind of dirtling uh can really only happen in certain color identities that don't have better things to do. Mm-hmm. Um so mono brown, mono red, mono white, and red white nowadays. Um 
not quite there. Yeah. Not quite there. But uh, we're almost done. We have just some super spicy cards coming mm-hmm. now. Uh, we're almost done with the artifacts in particular. Uh, this is... Uh, well, do you want to read this guy? Sure. Uh, Sword of Sinew and Steel. It is three mana artifact equipment. It equips for two and has equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from black and from red. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, destroy up to one target planeswalker and up to one target artifact. Does this card remind you of anything? <laughs> yeah, I... Um, so there are two swords in this set. Mm-hmm. Two of the three possible of the ally colored cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about the other one and maybe I'll compare then. But um, this one, is, it's another sword and it's just generically good. The one thing I'm happy about on this is not so much that it's on this card, but just that they're going to probably print more cards that destroy Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if they're going to print more Planeswalkers and hopefully more with static abilities and stuff like that, that we will uh, need that more mm-hmm. <laughs> more often. So, I don't know. This is just like a generically good piece of tech. Yeah. I mean, colorless artifact destruction is nice. Normally yeah. that's kind of tricky to come by yeah i was thinking like because it's the same with like sort of light and shadow like i would pay like two to play and one to equip if it just gave plus one plus one pro black and mm-hmm. i could reanimate a creature in like any color yeah and it's the kind of the same with this one like i would rather just have the red part mm-hmm. of this sword like you're really not gonna need the black part yeah very often so it's good all of these swords are gonna be good mm-hmm. uh speaking of which uh sword of truth and justice is a three mana uh artifact equipment with equip two it has equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from white and blue it also has when a creature deals combat damage to a player put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control then proliferate this one's way cooler yeah i agree that's just like this card is an engine and it's way cooler and i would like kind of like you said like i was really hoping they'd all be like this mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a lot more narrow this doesn't go into any into every deck yeah um but infect decks are really excited to a grow their infect creatures b proliferate yeah. those counters and c and like proliferate the poison that mm-hmm. they've gotten on people already yeah um also plus one plus one counter aggro there are a couple decks like that that are just already going to have counters on all their creatures so sword of truth and justice just helps with the accumulation mm-hmm. um so that's all very exciting and yeah i was really hoping because this sword of truth and justice was spoiled before the sword of steel and sinew and i was thinking that oh maybe they're going maybe with this cycle of swords they're all going to be about something that that color does or like supporting a narrow archetype rather than just good board control or card advantage or yeah. whatever and unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. So, I mean, let's cross our fingers for whenever in the next, like, 10 years we see the other swords. But yeah. But who knows? Um, so now we're going to go through. There's a few multicolor cards we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this first one is, is it's weird. It's an interesting one. It's called Etchings of the Chosen. It is a one white black, so three CMC enchantment. It has as etchings of the chosen enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, 
Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. One, sacrifice a creature of the chosen type. Target creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. Um, yeah. Can you, do you want to give a rundown of like what, why would I want this card? Yeah. So this seems very narrow. It's, uh, requiring a lot of different things of you. So like all of these characteristics need to be true in order for you to make use of this card. You must be playing a tribal deck. Yeah. You must be in black, white. You must have lots of sack fodder. And you must have a commander that really needs protecting. Because granting indestructible just to random creatures is usually not worthwhile. Yep. Um, so maybe like Ariel, Knight of Windgrace? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that would be my guess because like it's a she's a knight deck. It's in black-white. She makes tokens that you can then sacrifice. And then because it's all about like using the commander to make tokens you really want to protect her that would be my guess I, yeah i don't know what other decks would really be interested in this yeah i could not think of something i was thinking like maybe the partners like the uh, tana the blood sower that makes sapperlings and mm-hmm. like timna then you sack the sapperlings to protect your humans <laughs> or oh no T- Tana's an elf I well, think she's an elf. Well, okay. So the you only have to sacrifice a creature of the chosen type. That any creature can gain indestructible. Oh, okay. So but you'd you have to choose Sapperling. Sapperling. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That, I don't know. That might work. That seems really silly, though. Yeah. Um, the next card is very silly, but is also pretty good, mm-hmm. but also weird. But um, should I read it? Do you want to uh, read it? I'll, I'll go for it. It is Fallen Shinobi. Three blue-black for a 5-4 zombie ninja. It has ninjutsu, two blue-black, and whenever Fallen Shinobi deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top two cards of their library. Until end of turn, you may play those cards without paying their mana costs. Um, what, are, what do you think about this card? I like that. So the art is this ninja like hanging off the side of like this building, this like zombie ninja with like a hook for a hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like thinking that it's he just literally fell. Mm. He's like, he's oh, yeah. literally fallen. Um, this is a weird card because like it's a good ninja and we like good ninjas. Mm-hmm. This does what ninjas do. It gives you card advantage if you like trick it into play with the ninjutsu or whatever. But like, it's, I don't know. I don't. I don't. There's not really a place for this. I I I don't think that other than like the ninja deck. Uh, so we mentioned Yuriko mm-hmm. uh, earlier that there's really like another deck that wants this yeah i think it's better than some of the existing ninja so it's yeah definitely that's true guaranteed a place in that deck because there's very few ninja in magic yeah um but other than that yeah i don't i definitely don't see a place with this it's uh it's like a good effect but not at a rate that you would just generically want to run yeah and also it doesn't have evasion on its own Mm -hmm. so like you ninjutsu it in you get two things for free and then like you just have this vanilla five four that gets jump blocked that gets jumped all day yeah um so that's sad but um this next i'm pretty excited for this next card actually yeah so this is a good fortune unicorn Mm -hmm. this is a two two unicorn for one green white and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. Um, 
So this is, uh, well, the, the very first obvious thing I think is that it's a very good for plus one, plus one counter decks. So those aggro decks. Um, oh, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me flip this around. It's very good for my combo deck yeah. that <laughs> wants plus one, plus one counters and reanimates uh, Kitchen Finks a bunch of times because Persist Triggers. Um, but the impact it's going to make in Commander isn't super big just because it... You, there's like an a b play pattern mm-hmm. where you put this down and then you play the stuff that wants the counters uh so this is like when i see this card i see more of a combo card than an aggro card yeah um because in aggro it's just a really bad top deck yes yeah you top deck this and it's really bad but like i've had a white green deck that's like persist reanimate sack stuff for a long time right mm. now it's dragon lord dramoka oh yeah this goes into that really well because there's the, oh what's the human that's five mana oh the uh juniper juniper order ranger there you go so it's a two four for two or three in green white and it has whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control put a plus one plus one counter on it and juniper order ranger uh this is just a three mana <laughs> the part of that that i wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's great um yeah, and also, of course, uh, goes into Gave. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yep, yep. It's got one of those key phrases that should always trip the alarm of a Gave player. Yep. Um, other yeah. than that, yeah, I wouldn't really play it in much other decks other than the, the counter combo ones. Yeah. Um, this next card is Ice Fang Quaddle. Um, can I read it out? Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. So this is a 1-1 one, one, a Snake for green blue so two cmc does it have any super types oh yeah it's a snow creature it's a Mm. snow snake uh and it has flash flying when it enters the battlefield draw a card and it has death touch as long as you control at least three other snow permanents um so the this is he's weird do you want to talk about him yeah um so the easiest point of comparison would be baleful strix although that's not perfect um yeah because although Baleful Strix does see a decent amount of play in Commander, it's in 7,800 decks on EDH rec. Mm-hmm. A lot of that play is in artifact decks as just like this is a piece of artifact value. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also like the Strix's Death Touch is just more reliable than this guy. It's pretty, does not seem like it would be easy to meet the threshold of snow unless you're in, I guess, exactly two colors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that kind of restricts this guy to blue green decks that would want this random flying snake and have enough basics that they could run like a bunch of snow forests and snow islands. So basically I'm thinking Cassetto snake tribal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although like Cassetto isn't really a good <laughs> good commander yeah <laughs> yep sorry if you have a cassetto deck out there but uh cassetto um basically so cassetto is a two two a snake wizard for one green blue and has green blue target creature can't be blocked this turn if that creature is a snake it gets plus pl- two plus two until in a turn um so, so they were they were trying to make a snake commander but did they oh yeah they failed pretty hard the wrong way they really did not hit that nail on the head i think i would actually rather run morophon as my snake tribal commander (laughs) yep and (laughs) gassetto so yeah it's a 
I don't know. I think I'm going to see this card a lot, especially in the more recent or the sooner months after the set's release. But mm. I think it's just because people are going to be trying it out because the Baleful Strix-ness yeah. of it. Yeah, if you, man, it's going to be fun in the future. Like every time we want to dunk on a tribal commander, we just can just compare them to Morophon. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. That'll be our baseline. Yeah, this next guy's free if you uh, have more fun and pick Goblin. Oh. Yeah, so this is Munitions Expert. Uh, so Munitions Expert is a 1-1 one, one Goblin with Flash for black and red. Uh, so just two. Uh, when Munitions Expert enters the battlefield, you may have it deal damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of goblins you control. Um, and the art's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is uh, not what I wanted. Uh, for goblins in particular really I, I like it yeah it's it's like i don't know it's terminate it's a goblin terminate i guess that's fine yeah well well, i'm comparing this to volley veteran which like when it came out in m19 i was uh pretty excited because i'm like wow it's cool that oh yeah forgot about that guy. yeah yeah most people did yeah <laughs> Uh, cause when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's cool that your goblin deck, uh, can fit in removal without having to like decrease the density of the goblinness. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately he really underperformed. He's like not seeing a lot of play right now, even in the goblin decks. That makes sense though. But volley veteran like cuts the mana cost in half and gives it flash. So it's basically terminate. It's like way more efficient and fast. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a shame that it's red black instead of just mono red, because that means there's only one deck in the format that can make use of it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably why I'm upset with it. Cause I know like this is very good in wart mm because especially if you have a sack outlet and you just get it back. So wart boggard auntie is a four mana three, three. 3-3 Three, three, with fear. With fear. And she also has on your upkeep, you may return a goblin card from your graveyard to your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very good there, but I d- it's black-red. Yeah, it's it's narrow. It's, There's yeah. so many other goblin decks that could make use of this card, but yeah, but man, Wart can really make use That's of this true. card. That's true. Okay, I like it a little more it's now. Gotta, it's got to be one of the best goblins to repeatedly record. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'm happy for you, Wart. I was just upset in the moment. Please mm. forgive me. <laughs> um, the next card is kind of is notable, not so much for the card itself, but for uh, what it is not. Yeah, for what it is not. Do you want to do you want to get into it? Yeah, I'm just. This is my soapbox <laughs> issue, so I'm, I'm just going to run through it really quick. Nature's chant is one and hybrid green white, so two mana for an instant. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. And it's not especially notable except for the fact that it like um it implies that disenchant is still in white's color pie, which is fine. But I really would have preferred if this was mono white. Yeah, if this was just another disenchant, like a functional reprint. Yeah. Cause like mono green has seven different pieces of instant speed spot removal for artifacts and enchantments that cost two or less. Basically, <laughs> it has seven versions of naturalize. And white has one, and it's disenchant. White doesn't have anything else that does this effect at instant speed for, for two, two mana man. or less. Yeah. So it's 
really unfortunate in a format like commander that's singleton it's all about redundancy like you can't pack four mana uh, four copies of disenchant if you want to like have a spot uh an easy instant speed answer to artifacts and enchantments like you've got to get incredibly lucky because you've yeah. only got a one in 99 chance of drawing it it's I would like to see more redundancy for disenchant. Yes. Uh, which brings us to the lands. So um, there's a cycle, a five card cycle. We're seeing the enemy color pair of this cycle uh, of the horizon canopy lands. Um, so I'll name them all off, but basically they're all the enemy colors. There's fiery islet or islet 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 islet. Yeah. Nurturing peatland, silent clearing, uh, sunbaked Canyon and waterlogged grove. And uh, I think you should play at home which one is which colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can probably guess. Mm-hmm. So um, these guys are just powerhouse staples. Mm-hmm. They're going to be played forever. Yep. They're incredibly good. Um, I don't know. There's really not much to say about them other than that they're really, really good. Um, so the red-white one is going to be a little better because red-white doesn't have a good card draw. And the uh, green ones are good because of, uh, what's the snake? Ramanab Excavator mm-hmm. and Life from the Loam. Yep. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going to be good. Not not a lot to say about them. They, they are going to be new format staples. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, it's going to be annoying to trade for all the ones that I need. Yeah, it's going to be. So we got a little man land, too. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, sure. Frostwalk Bastion is a snow land. It taps for a colorless mana, and it has one and a snow. Until end of turn, Frostwalk Bastion becomes a 2-3 construct artifact creature. It's still a land. And whenever Frostwalk Bastion deals combat damage to a creature, tap that creature, and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And I just want to remind you, so snow is... One mana from a snow permanent. Yeah, so there's a snow land of war elves from uh, Cold Snap. Mm-hmm. That mana is snow. Yeah, also any snow land. So like yep. snow basics. Snow basics make snow mana. Yep. Um, which is a funny sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is fine. It is relevant to like Arkham Dagson. Mm-hmm. So you get them snow lands, everybody. Yeah. Um, Arkham Dagson definitely is happy to get another artifact creature that fits into the mana base doesn't take up doesn't a card take slot up a card slot um jalira uh oh yeah she d- uh, yeah the master polymorphist yeah so jalira if you're not familiar with her um she has an ability to and a blue tap sacrifice another creature flip flip until you hit a non-legendary creature or flip through your library until you hit a non-legendary creature, put it onto the battlefield and put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Yeah, so it turns out there's a lot of really good non-legendary creatures mm-hmm. in Mono Blue 2. Yeah. Um, Although, to be fair, you're you're not going to be running that many. You're just like a <laughs> couple of real yeah, you good just, ones. Yeah, you just need the few, a few of them. Yeah, so you don't want to dilute your deck with uh, sack fodder that because you don't want to flip into it. So you just want to... So the opportunity to get it in your mana base is great. Mm-hmm. And the last one, which is kind of stretching it, but I like a lot. Like if I was going to make this commander, this is the version I would make is mm. Snow Depala. Oh yeah, um, because Depala is uh, vehicles. She is a three-three dwarf artificer for one red-white, and uh, 
God, oh man, I it's can't when she becomes here. tapped, you can pay X and then look at the top X cards of your library and put all dwarves and vehicles uh, in that pile into your hand and the rest on the bottom. Of your yeah, and then she's also a lord for dwarves and vehicles as long as they're creatures. So mm-hmm. dwarves get plus one, plus one, vehicles get plus one, plus one. Uh, which is relevant when dwarves crew things because crew costs, blah, 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 that stuff. Yeah. So um, if you make, it's a two color list, so you don't need too crazy of a mana base. So you could have some snow mana base. You could play this in that deck and it's really good because you get wrath and you just have a bunch of vehicles sitting there like with no pilots. But Frostwalk Bastion is another man land that can just get on in there and start crewing them trains and, <laughs> and sky ships and yeah. boats and I actually like running the like being having Depala be the one to run the wraths because there's plenty of good wraths in those colors, yeah. and then like breaking the symmetry on them by just having your your land stand up and then jump in a copter. Yeah, <laughs> so very silly. Um, and then we got one more card for you today. So first off, thank you for sticking with us. This was a long episode, and there's a lot of cards uh, and a lot of relevant cards, which we kind of called coming into the set being mm-hmm. like hey there's probably going to be a lot of stuff in the set for commander players because yep. it's made at modern power level mm-hmm. and hey uh, that was correct but this is prismatic vista um do you want to read it and get into it yeah it is a land it has tap pay one life sacrifice it search your library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield untapped then shuffle your library uh, Whoa! What do you what do you think of this? I mean, this is just this could just be played in every deck ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily run it in like five color. Yeah, five color or four color less even. But like most decks you see are one to three colors. Yeah, like most games you play will be between one and three color decks. Mm-hmm. And I would put it in pretty much every single one of those. Which kind of gets me to the only thing. Like, I'm really happy this card exists. I thought this card should have existed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just something the game kind of has wanted, especially for, like, the casual crowd, which is what Commander technically is. Um, but the fact that this is a rare in a $7 supplemental product... Um, Ooh, that hurts. ...means that it's just going to be so expensive forever. Like, like if this was an uncommon... I don't see the harm it would have done other than like limited decks might have better mana. But who cares about that? But who cares about that? Like you're already, it's already a premium draft experience in the first place. Like anytime you have to spend over 20 bucks on a draft, like, okay, like you're maybe going to draft like a few times as opposed to like once every Friday or something like Mm -hmm. that. You might draft it like twice. Um, so uh, I don't know. I I really like the card. I'm really glad it exists, and I'm not happy that you that have it's to get a, one for every deck you own. Yeah, and that they're rare and they're going to be expensive. And like, I really want to see this card in other sets. Like, they should just start printing this card in every Horizons set. Like, if Horizons Blank Horizon Legacy Horizons, whatever Horizons becomes like a thing, they just need to print it every year. They need to print it in every Commander set. They just it needs it they need to <laughs> yeah all right well i think uh that is all we have in terms of commander relevant cards so far uh before we sign off i'm going to answer a listener question so one of our patreon patrons provided this 
I'm curious what you guys think about the state of five color commanders. Ooh. So that's that's a good question because we um, when we did our EDH rec deep dive, we discussed the five color commanders and we finished that up ooh, probably in February, early, early mm-hmm. this year. Early in the year, yeah. Um, but since then, we've gotten four new five color commanders. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's a radical shift in a color identity that has relatively few commanders to it. Yep. Um, so let's let's talk about what was missing before um and what these this now or what is now open because of the the recently printed commanders. So one thing that's new, we got Niv-Mizzet Reborn, which is probably it's got to be the best five color good stuff commander, right? Yeah. 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 There's yeah, there's not nothing that really matches it in terms of just I want efficiency and card advantage and just doing my thing and yeah. Yeah. Uh so that's that's new. And then we've got of course these three new ones in Modern Horizons. The first sliver, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. which is arguably like the one of well, okay. It's this, one of the best sliver decks. One of the best yeah. sliver decks. Um it's it's really because there's so many commanders it's hard to and they're all pretty good yeah they're all kind of hard good. to rank them but yeah. i think this uh is better at being the sliver aggro deck than most of the sliver commanders yeah i agree um there's sisse weatherlight captain which is well okay there's the flavor option which i think most people is how most people are going to build it i think like already of the three five color commanders in Modern Horizons, Sisse is, has a bit of a lead on the others, and I am guessing it's because there were so many people who are waiting. Oh yeah, to build oh, that yeah. deck, to build the Weatherlight deck. That is, um, and let's see, and then, and of course there she also offers a very strange like legend centric combo deck, which is a unique archetype that I. It's not one that I ever identified as this is something that's missing from the format, but it's mm. cool that it exists. Um, and then finally, we have Morophon the Boundless, which, oh, what a <laughs> what a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's five-color human combo. That's a new archetype that um, definitely didn't exist yeah, before. Yeah, definitely did not I, exist. I wouldn't have thought of it. Like, if... Like I've actually tried to make like a, a human tribal commander before and it's always been something more grindy and trying to yeah. play to like all the like cheap efficient engines that are among humans because you got you know, you got your dark confidant, your tireless tracker, or all those sorts of things. So this is a completely different take than I would have guessed, but it is a unique deck and it's I mean it's always fun to goldfish these kind of decks. I don't know if yeah. it's fun <laughs> to have them played against you. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, actually, um, so there are still some missing archetypes in five color, but I think we might hold, like, for example, well, I think we might hold off on that for a little because, uh, when I first started doing all the research for, um, for Morophon, I actually, uh, started going when i went through all those different creature types that don't currently have a tribal commander but have enough of them to like have enough members that they could potentially make into a tribal deck mm-hmm. 
And so I started going through and figuring out like what the mechanical similarities are among the members of each of those tribes and like maybe what kind of commander each might need. So that's going to be an upcoming future episode. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to it because it covers a lot of these missing archetypes yeah. that you might be excited for. And uh, with that, I, th- I think we're going to sign off next week. We're going to be doing another spoiler episode and that'll be the, s- the second and last episode for this set um before we go um well do you have any uh thoughts so far on modern horizons before we sign off um not really i think the the one thing is that like people seem to be confused with the set because it was not a master set they said it wasn't a master set Mm -hmm. um and so there was some confusion because people thought it was going to be like a 24 pack set it is not. So if you bought a box, you're getting a 36-pack box. So good for you. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, like with any supplemental product, I just hope that they print enough. And they're not going to. But so many of these cards look so cool. Are these printed? Is this a print-to-demand set? Uh, oh, I don't actually know. Mm. That's something we can look for. But I, it's this is just a problem with Commander Staples and these, like, supplemental products. Like, whether they're Commander Decks or like a conspiracy set or whatever where the supply just is not going to meet the demand yeah like, at the rate they print like the, battle bond was print a print to demand set but doubling season is still $55 yeah. Al- although are you I guess you could argue that some of that is because of all the planeswalkers we saw I don't know yeah there's just it I don't think they can ever print enough cards mm-hmm. <laughs> like they they um that's like a controversial opinion but i think just the there's so many cool cards in this set that i went from being really really excited to being like sweating and being like oh my god are we gonna are they gonna be enough can can people actually play these cards is mm-hmm. this gonna be is this, is this gonna be okay and so that's kind of where i'm at now i'm really excited for the set but yeah. um there's a lot of cards that just don't see nearly as much play as they should in this format because of their price tag like yeah exactly like Horizon Canopy, for example, is only in like 1,500, 1,600 decks. Yeah. Even, even though, though it's very good. Yeah. Clearly. And it can go in any green and white deck. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the, that's where I'm at. I'm very excited for the set and playing with a lot of these cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not to be a Debbie Downer about it or a Danny Downer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, a Dylan Downer. There we go. Dylan Downer. Gender there neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm feeling good about this set. I am really excited to see what, what's coming next. There's definitely going to be more legendary creatures spoiled. I'm going to try not to let my disappointment for Morophon <laughs> Sour your... Yeah, because it, it could have... <laughs> if it was done correctly, just think how many decks that would have added to the format. Think how yeah. many. Oh, no, don't worry. Like, I, uh... like that's... Like that, I mean, we we talk about this all the time, but that's like my primary goal is like increasing the number of viable decks in commander. And I'm so disappointed that they, they goofed it up and they're, they goofed it up and they're probably not going to try again. They're probably, I think the box has been checked. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. It does stink. Maybe one day if we just, everyone right tomorrow, really, uh, really loudly, just saying, know how cheesed you are. Just say, this was not an adequate changeling commander. Mm -hmm. Let them know. Let them all know. Tell Aaron Forsyth, buy him a pizza Mm -hmm. with the message in the box. More (laughs) fun is not an adequate changeling commander. (laughs) 
Um, Good. Yeah, doing doing a doing the work that needs yeah. to be done. Public service. Public service. All right. Well, I think that's all for this week. Uh, again, we've got good content coming up in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we go, I just want to say thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, and Kyle. Thank you all for supporting the show, and thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. 